When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Good Music Podcast, a show where we discuss artists, songs, and talk about why we love them. New episodes every Monday morning at 9 a.m. Central. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook and become a patron to gain access to exclusive content. And now, on with the show. Another episode of the Good Music Podcast. I'm Lucas. I'm Grant. And I'm Ethan. And if you are new listening to the podcast, welcome. If you like what you hear today on our 2020 recap, go ahead and subscribe on whatever uh, platform you're listening to. If you've been around for a long time, though, Instagram and Facebook, look us up there, follow us and DM us and send us who you'd want to hear next. And we are very good at um uh listener contribution and so if you have any ideas for who you want to do next send it and we'll do it but if you would consider yourself a connoisseur of good music like we are what you need to do is you need to look down in the episode description there's a patreon link and you can become a patron and that not only gives you early access to episodes, it gives you access to our after hours, which today we are doing the 2020 uh, worst of the worst songs that we've done in our after hours. And so uh, this week would be a really good week for you to pick up if you were going to become a donor. But Lucas, yeah. 2020, it's coming to an end. We've had a lot of, yes, a lot of, we did it guys on the podcast it's like finally over but despite all of the um challenges that everybody else was having 2020 was a big year for the good music podcast yes it was um yeah i was about to say you know not everyone had a great year this year but man we did (laughs) music podcast really did (laughs) and um is it's corny to say it's our best year yet because it's only our second year. <laughs> it's our best year, yet. but yeah, I mean that's that's really good that it's in our second year. Last year wasn't our best year. Hopefully, ever. in twenty twenty one, that'll be our best year yet. Yeah, right. right. It's crazy to think about where we were this time last year this time last year we actually took the only break we've ever taken from recording um i did like two episodes at the beginning of december and then took the rest of december and like the first couple weeks of january off because that was when our original co-host justin uh decided to move on to other things and I was like, well, I got to figure out who my new co-host is going to be. 
Hmm. And um, and then Grant answered the call. Well, okay. I don't know about like me just showing up and like saying, ooh, I want to be the co-host for the Good Music Podcast. You came and asked me. Well, that's exactly right. what answering the call means. Well, okay. <laughs> I yeah. called, you answered. Yeah, and you and I don't I asked you, the, you said yes. Yeah, I don't remember what specific words you said, but in my mind I was like, you know, I'll give it a shot. And I haven't left yet. So, yeah. you know, I <laughs> should tell you something. I really do enjoy being here. And mm-hmm. our first episode was on The Killers. And mm-hmm. it it was it did not go very smoothly behind the scenes the episode itself was actually released a week later than we had intended because i didn't get the files to you of the audio <laughs> oh yeah so, yeah so that was that was certainly interesting and and we had to figure we out all kind the of, behind the scenes stuff and we have yeah, a great all the logistics now, but, but, oh yeah. yeah it's it works like clockwork at this point yeah so yeah, I mean, you know, at the beginning of the year, we didn't have a Patreon. Nope. Um, thinking about the that time in the middle of the year when we were doing our cover songs, mm-hmm, that, that hadn't fun. even been a thought yet. Um, we're now doing, you know, uh, volume twos, and we're also doing yep. the uh, music history. Uh-huh. All those things were new things that we started. Um and yeah i remember when it was like really um incredible to get like um 200 plays in a week (laughs) that was kind of like the new standard Mm -hmm. and now we're up to about 350 a week wow and as well as like we didn't really have a lot of like crazy growth across all of our episodes back at that time um i mean we had the couple really rare exceptions like when Coldplay was and i'm sure it's continuing to um just completely dominate uh our records right but um yeah it was just it was a very it was at a very fragile place because I didn't know if it was going to be able to continue. Right. You know, it was, it still hadn't gotten to the size where I was just like, you know what? Yeah, I can, I can make this a big deal. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I was just really trying to, uh, figure out where I wanted to go. And, now here we are right and things are better than ever Mm -hmm. and i'm just i'm very happy with just everything yes this has been such a great year yeah it's been such a great year for the reach that we've had and also the impact that we've had on people in a showing them music and some of the messages that we get as well yeah that really kind of you know like you mentioned and i think it was our you know my chemical romance episode which is our last episode um that those kind of things really 
make us think, yeah, we're, we should keep doing this, you know, like this mm-hmm. is, this is worth it to us and to other people. So yeah. And, th- and that's, and I don't know what that was like, if you got any of that before 2020, but there's definitely been plenty this year. Yeah, there certainly has been. Um, well, our, uh, we had some, we had some big episodes that came out this year. We had some, we had some real winners. Mm-hmm. Um, our winner for the year was our U2 episode. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Well, I guess it makes, makes sense. sense. It was released pretty early. Yeah. Um, but also it just ended up being a really big episode. Mm-hmm. Um, Led Zeppelin was right behind it. Ooh. And Elton John. Hmm. How many listened? Those were um I don't have the numbers up with me. I'm actually I was just now trying to get to um to the numbers. They're in the two thousands right now. Wow. That's a ton. Yeah. And we've got several more that are in the thousands right now. Elvis. Mm-hmm. Our Elvis episode was was really big. Um and I want to say Tool, our Tool episode made it to a thousand. Mm-hmm. But I mean, none of them have ever caught up to Coldplay. I'm pretty sure Coldplay is at the 10,000 mark now. <laughs> oh my Lord. And so the, the rain continues. Will it ever so, end? Probably not. Maybe not. But yeah, it's been a it's been a good uh journey in twenty twenty. Mm-hmm. Um and so also I, I wanted to talk about just kind of our personal favorite episodes and songs and artists that we have um that we've encountered and listened to and done episodes on in twenty twenty. So I'm I'm gonna start with Ethan. I'm ready. So, um, I gotta, I gotta actually pull up the, my questions that I sent to you guys so I can make sure that I'm saying them correctly. So, <laughs> you joined. I, I didn't even mention that halfway when we were talking about all the big things that happened to the Good Music Podcast. Ethan joining us about two thirds through the year. Mm-hmm. We're, we're really happy that you joined us you you bring such a a great unique um perspective i feel like in many ways you comp you compliment either one of us but you whenever you're complimenting one of us you're usually always giving a different viewpoint than the third mm-hmm. well thanks and so there, there's there's times where I feel like, Ethan, you and me are kind of like thinking the same brainwave. And then there's other times where you and Grant are thinking the same brainwave. I'm thinking specifically of all those times when you guys just go off on your music theory yeah. tangents. <laughs> yeah. But then there's there's the other aspects of just kind of like understanding like just different styles of music that grants a little more unfamiliar with mm-hmm. and 
and kind of more of the pop perspective on a lot of things that I feel like you and me are just kind of like, yeah, we, we, we see similarly here. The pop perspective. I'm coining that band name right now. Ooh, that's, that's actually coined. a great band name. <laughs> so, Ethan, what was your favorite episode that you did this year? I think the episode that is the most sentimental is the Opeth episode. Mm-hmm. And it was my second episode because I remember I, whenever I came in on the Sticks cover to play. Yeah, and, and Sticks was your first and episode. Sticks was the first episode, but I hadn't had, like, I didn't have access to the playlist before we, were, we recorded it. And so I was just kind yeah, of like. Yeah, you just. You just... You made up stuff about the, the except entire for the episode because I had never heard any of the songs. Other, Cats out of the bag, guys. Than the, <laughs> other than the two that I played, but the Opeth one was the was it was my first experience of many. It was like the first dip in the water of doing a band that I thought that I would hate, and I ended up not hating it. It ended up actually, I really enjoyed the Opeth episode. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And still, like, Ghosts of Perdition is just, like, so good. (laughs) Like, Mm -hmm. that main (laughs) hook, yeah. Yeah, it's just, like, that was the first time that I was just like, oh, wow, like, this isn't just, it's not, it's more than talking about music, you know? It's, it's it's almost like a cultural like forcing yourself to listen to something that's good that you normally wouldn't listen to you know mm-hmm. um so i'd say the opeth episode is probably the the one that's closest to my heart in terms of like whenever i think about like whenever people ask me about the podcast and like what it is i i like refer to the opeth episode cuz i'm like like I'm, I don't like metal, and we did this band called Opeth. And after I listen to the songs we talk about it, I like Opeth now. You know, <laughs> like that's to me the Opeth episode is like my core view on like the podcast in its entirety. Like it's like the that's like the first of all the experiences that I have now, where like my mind just gets changed on genres constantly. Hmm. All right. Um, Grant, I'm going to ask you the same question. What was your favorite episode that you did this year? Well, I mean, obviously, I'm going to keep myself from saying Dream Theater. I really did like that episode. But I think one of the most fun episodes that, like, the actual recording process for was probably the um, Eddie Van Halen episode. Because, uh, yeah. like, that listening to those songs, I haven't, I hadn't listened to Van Halen for a while at that point. I mean, obviously, I knew, you know, all the all the songs that I would listen to when I was younger, and so going back and listening to those songs was kind of uh, a good thing for me to do. It just it emotionally felt right, and I felt like I had a lot of like passionate discussion about um 
Eddie and all the stuff that he did, you know, for guitar, for the technology, for kind of like the guitarist shred culture, for the music, and kind of for me personally. And so I really liked that episode um, just because it was fun to talk. And I mean, that's what we're doing is we're just talking, you know? Yeah. Um, for me, I I am going to say the Dream Theater one. That one for me, there it was just so fun because to really fully nerd out about all the stuff that's going on in those songs, especially um, getting into Octavarium mm. and the stuff from Scenes from a Memory. Mm. It was just like, this is all stuff that I knew before I did all my research. This was just like, you know, as a passionate fan, I had learned all that stuff. And to kind of, to have an experience of getting to nerd out about it with someone that didn't know about it, but (laughs) understood what I was saying Mm -hmm. and appreciated it Mm -hmm. was that was something I hadn't really gotten to do before because my normal experience in my life is that everyone hates dream theater. Everyone in my life, at least. That's so sad. Anytime. I know. (laughs) It's just, it's really, um, it's a really sad ordeal, but you know, I just, I could never, um, get to like have that to where not only am I talking about it, but I'm also showing it to someone that didn't know anything about it beforehand. And just that, that whole, you know, first showing the songs and then going, okay, you ready to figure out what all is going on underneath the surface? Yeah. It was, that was an incredibly satisfying episode as a teacher. Yeah. And and it made to kind of, yeah, go ahead. uh, To just, to just guide you through that. That was, that was really fun thing to do. Yeah. It made me look at music in a different way completely that episode as like less of there's music and we put a story on top or we put lyrics on top or whatever, but also being able to like craft a, like something that's so intricate that almost like you, you shouldn't be able to explain it without having some kind of picture or some kind of movie or anything, but they were able to tell a very detailed story that, that had like themes and rises and fall of conflicts, especially I'm talking about scenes from memory specifically, but because I obviously listened to that album, you know, as soon as the episode was over, but that did kind of change my way of thinking about lyrics and, and what music really is and can be. And maybe if you're not into that, that's okay, but I am. And so, yeah, I did. I did like that episode, but I am going to reference it again. So I had to, you know, I had to refrain. <laughs> yeah, and I won't reference it again. <laughs> so it works for me. All right. So Ethan, what 
was your favorite new artist that you discovered on the podcast this year? Oh man. Other than Opeth, I had heard of everyone. I mean, other than Or I I can also phrase that as an artist that you did not have any either respect or appreciation for but at least maybe knew of their existence. I would say my respect for David Bowie is at an all-time high right now after that episode. Okay. Cuz I knew of David Bowie, but I, I and we talked about this in that episode. I was just like, yeah, David Bowie, like he's kind of weird. I'm out. You know, I know he's I kind of know what time period he's from and I know that he's David Bowie. And that's that was pretty much it, you know. But after again, after talking about him, like David Bowie is probably a new like Aladdin saying is such a good song, guys. <laughs> Aladdin <laughs> yeah. is a good album too. Yeah. It's such a good freaking song. And so like me and Amy were in the car and we were listening through um kind of like we were going through like decades playlists and then once we got um it, like i think i can't even remember which i think rebel rebel was in the playlist which of course it would have been rebel rebel you know and so uh-huh. i was like oh this is david bowie and she's like how did you know that that was david bowie you don't listen to david bowie and i was like you're right but i do now <laughs> <laughs> All right, Grant. What was the new? I mean, I have a feeling I know what you're gonna pick. Um, I don't think so. Be- I'm not gonna say Dream Theater because I listened to some of their stuff before. But as far as like totally yeah. brand new artists that changed, you know, maybe not necessarily I listened to them, but like they opened me up to a new genre or a new, you know, whatever it is. Would there are two that stand out the most, and the first one's Soundgarden because that whole grunge mm. movement I really wasn't, you know, keen on. And so learning about Soundgarden and learning about kind of like they're the they're the starting genesis point of that, and and so viewing all of the other grunge groups through that lens made me kind of a, appreciate that more appreciate Soundgarden more and then that got me into Alice in Chains and I really like Alice in Chains and and appreciating kind of like Nirvana and why Nirvana was the way they were and and the culture that's surrounding grunge and all that and so that kind of turned me on to a new music genre that I listen to a lot now and the other one is death and I never heard of Death. Oh. I've only seen their logo like one time before. And I thought that it was on a Testament album cover because my memory is messed up sometimes. But I had never heard of Death or I've never heard any Death song before. And so that episode opened me up to like Evil Chuck and all the death stuff and talking about how death was like the greatest death metal band or arguably the greatest death metal band of all time. And that eventually led me to recently having listened through every death album, which I wouldn't have done had I not, you know, been on that episode. Which one's your favorite of the two 
of the two bands, Death is. Oh, uh, no, of your, of your, um, of the Death oh, album. Oh, the Death. Oh, to. my gosh. I live. Oh. I really like spiritual healing just because I think it's strong all the way through. But mm-hmm. symbolic and sound of perseverance are also really, really good. And they have some really Man. good high points as well. Yeah. Sound of perseverance for me is just it's just so epic. It is it's yeah, it's really epic. So which oddly enough, those are their last two albums and we had mentioned that they you know, death got better and better as time went on. There wasn't a single moment where they took a step backwards yeah. or even a standstill. Or a step sideways. It was amazing. Yeah. It was amazing that they literally stepped forward with every yeah. record they made. And then when they couldn't step forward anymore, they just stopped. Yep. Um, what about you? For man, so this is this is I think I'm actually going to go with My Chemical Romance because most bands that I pick don't really fall into the category of I don't have an appreciation for them or they're new for me. That's going to really start to change going into next year as we start to kind of continue to widen um, the, uh, the types of uh, artists that we're listening to and I'm I'm going to do a quick glance through just to make sure there weren't any that I missed but man I just think that uh, My Chemical Romance they were the ones that I definitely knew the absolute least about mm-hmm. of anyone that we did this year minus you know music history stuff i would say probably the only other one that i knew less of would have been either prince or blondie aretha or aretha yeah um but of all of those those would be like the ones that i would be in the running just from the sheer fact of me not knowing them and when i think about now who am i going to listen to the most in the future my chemical romance is absolutely going to be the band mm-hmm. because that was that's a band that is really going to stick with me mm-hmm. because just especially I'm going to listen to Black Parade a lot next year. <laughs> yeah. I already know. That's that's just that's just how that's going to be. So that's that's my answer. Okay. Uh Ethan, uh what episode changed your mind about an artist? My Chemical Romance. Where this Yep. Okay. <laughs> I figured that that would be your answer. Easily My Chemical Romance. I had the most, I had the most, um, I had the most visceral reaction to My Chemical Romance on the front end, even more than Opeth or Pantera or, you know, Iron Maiden or any of the other episodes that we've done, you know? 
because like I, I was like my chemical romance uh-huh. like I don't I just I feel like it was just ignorance I didn't understand them at all like I I had pegged them in a hole that wasn't where they actually were where I felt like with Pantera I had properly placed them in my mind you know I just never listened to them so I was like okay Pantera is like heavy you know and I kind of knew what I was getting Mm -hmm. but I feel like my chemical romance got had gotten distorted throughout my lifetimes where I was like they're like a whiny punk boy band was kind of where I like kind of where I had placed them but they are not that. <laughs> so, yeah, My Chemical yeah. Romance Now. That's another band where um, I was talking to a friend about the podcast. And I told him that we just did an episode on My Chemical Romance. He was like, really? I was like, yes, The Black Parade is one of the best albums. Like, it's just an mm-hmm. incredible album. And he was like, you know what? I used to listen to them whenever I was in middle school, and I'm glad to hear you say that because I still like that album. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. It's um, they're a band that I have found that when you're when when you become a fan, like their fans are very loyal. I've found. Yeah. And I can understand why. Mm-hmm. Uh, Grant, what about you? Um, what what band did you? So this, so yeah, kind of just to clarify, this is a band not that you didn't know anything about, but a band that you had a previous conception about. That after the episode, you're just like, well, my opinion is I different. I think that, I mean, obviously, My Chemical Romance, but he pretty much just explained exactly what I would have said. Um, so I will choose something different. That, and and I was kind of hoping that he would mention My Chemical Romance. Um, but probably The Killers in U2. The Killers, when we did that episode, that was the first episode I was on. And so I had only known Mr. Brightside, and I assumed that all of their other stuff was not worth listening to. And I was very wrong. And by the end of that episode, you know, I had admitted that. I had talked about that. You know, I was, I was very wrong, and I actually kind of like the Killers, and I do. Um, but our third episode this year, U2, when we actually did that episode, at the very end, I said that I still didn't like U2, but I'm slowly... Over the course of this year, I've started kind of admitting to myself that I like, you know, this song of U2. I like this song of U2. I like this little tidbit of their sound, you know, especially the Edge's guitar. And so I really, I'm really stubborn about it. (laughs) But that episode got the foot in the door (laughs) to me liking U2. And so that was the long game. It, for yeah, you. that was the long game. And so obviously, since that was towards the beginning of the year, my opinion has changed a lot. It's just been changing very, very slowly. And so mm-hmm. I'm slowly getting to the point where I'm going to want to soon start to listening to more of them. So um, coming from a place of me absolutely saying, no, I 
hate them and their sound. I will never listen to you too. To me being open to it is a big change. So there's that. All right. Yeah. I am going to go with Prince mm. on this one. I had a very different idea of who Prince was as an artist before I did this episode. I'm not going to say that I had a negative view. For me, this it's not as much about going from negative view to positive view, but rather this is going to be more about um, just like me having a complete new understanding of who they are as an artist where with most of the other artists i know what they are i just you know perhaps don't fully appreciate them but i still kind of knew what i was getting or in the say like a sense with my chemical romance i had no idea what i was going to get i was just kind of open to see whatever what is this going to be um prince i assumed was a lot more like michael jackson and i was so surprised when i started to dig in that he really not only lived in a much different pop um space but that he was so instrumental in creating like modern pop music i would say more so than even michael was as far as just he knew where pop was going rather than michael really perfecting what pop mm -hmm. was at that point i feel like prince was always ahead of his time and like listening to a lot like i never realized like how much he did himself i never realized how great of an instrumentalist he was i never knew like what he brought to the table lyrically how experimental and really weird he was in his music and that somehow his what he was so good at was making this really weird music accessible and um and commercial and so I thought that he was just going to be an ordinary pop guy. Mm -hmm. I mean, not ordinary in the sense of like his songs are ordinary, but just like, you know, I didn't think he was going to be as experimental and as much of like a musical visionary as he, as I found that he was. Mm -hmm. And so that would be the one that I would say, like my viewpoint of him changed so much after um, after doing that episode and doing the research for it. And um, what was your favorite song that you either heard for the first time or fully appreciated on the podcast this year? So now we're moving from artist to song. So what was what was the song for oh, you man. this year? There are a lot. Yeah, there are a lot. Yeah, there are a lot. There's more for there's more for Grant than that, you, Ethan. True. Man, I, I, I will say 
technically the song that I have listened to the most since the podcast has has been Stare at the Sun. Ooh, yeah. Oh. I think that that one has lodged itself the furthest in. And and I and I think from the music that I already listened to, that one is the closest already to being able to just kind of come into the fold, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I would say Stare at the Sun has kind of made it onto a playlist rotation, you know? Like it solidified a spot because it's just just a dirty song. <laughs> it's just the sounds are yeah. really good. But man, I feel like that's un- I already mentioned Aladdin Sane. That's but that was my favorite song from David Bowie. Um I man Voodoo Child like I yeah. It was, yeah. that was good like there's so like guys I'm like kind of going down the list uh, La Villa Strangiato I had never heard yeah that's that, true. Was, that was an incredible song it is and it always and, really and of course Mama from My Chemical Romance but mm-hmm. like all of those songs I'm like just oh those are so good but I would say Stare at the Sun has has had the easiest transition into my like my daily life like just kind of being like oh i want to pop that on like i want i'm i want that mood and i can hit up stare stare at the sun and it fills the void mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i mean there's uh, a Grant? lot to choose from i mean obviously coming to mind dazed and confused the Led Zeppelin song. When I first listened to Led Zeppelin one, I didn't really like any of the songs. And so focusing specifically on that song during the podcast made me appreciate it more. Um, All the ghost songs, I could just go through every single one of them, (laughs) but, but dream theater stands out the most, specifically the last two songs of the set. I never heard the spirit carries on before and right now i'm at the point where like that can be played at any important event in my life like my funeral <laughs> that's okay play it eight times and and i'd never heard it before and that kind of made me appreciate you know pink floyd more cuz you were talking about how it's like a it's a very david gilmorey solo and i there's our pink floyd volume 2 right there that's another like whole album animals that I appreciated more because of this podcast. Um, but also Octavarium, right? Um, because I had listened to it before, but I didn't really know the full meaning. I didn't know all the extra Easter eggs. And so going through all of that stuff made, like, my mind exploded, you know? And and you you remember that, I'm sure. I was just completely mind blown as to how they crafted all that stuff into a 28 minute song that flows perfectly emotionally start to finish just amazing. And so that's when I fully appreciated that song was for this episode. And it became one of my top five songs of the year on my Spotify wrapped. So, well, I mean, I'm, Oh man, that's, that's 
pretty great when a 24 minute song yeah. gets into your yeah. top five. <laughs> <laughs> That's that very impressive. Mm hmm. For me, um, again, this 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 can be hard for me because usually a lot of the songs I'm picking, I have heard before, and have an appreciation for. I think for me, the song that I'm going to go with that I've had never heard before even though I knew this band and loved this band, I had never heard it before. And um, I remember the first time I heard it, I was just like, we're doing a cover of this song. And so mm -hmm. mine is Bullet mm -hmm. to the Head by Rage Against the Machine. I heard that song and I, cause I was trying to figure out how to build that, the playlist for that episode. And I heard, and I was just like, oh, how have I never heard this one before? I've got to put this on right now. And then uh, and then immediately I thought, ooh, I, mm -hmm. we, we need to cover this one. So, um, yeah, just that, that perfect blend of funk and metal. And it was such a blast to make a cover for that one doing doing the vocals and the drums and the bass that's one of the most fun i've ever had doing a cover song those rage against was the doing machine that cover one. songs were were among the most fun i will agree yeah help that they were that's true too among yeah. the easiest but and, and yeah and it's also just inherently those are just like mm -hmm. they're just very fun songs mm -hmm. to play so um so yeah that that would probably be my pick for my favorite song mm. of the year mm. thanks to this podcast well so yeah that's uh that's gonna be our bit on just kind of everything that's going on with us and before we move on to the um to the next part of this episode um I just want to give a very big thank you to everyone that has listened to us both this year and last year, as well as, you know, anyone that may be catching this episode, you know, later on, you know, I know that people discover podcasts and in the future and then go back and listen to all the previous episodes to all of our fans, past, present and future. We literally would not still be doing mm -hmm. this without you guys um to know that we are doing something that you guys love that you guys are continuing to want more apparently because you keep uh tuning in and we keep getting bigger and bigger um i guess i should say that as we're recording this our my chemical romance episode is live right now and the best first couple wow. days stats yeah. that we've ever seen. It's all it's already mm. it's already at two fifty. Wow. It's been out for like two days now. So this is yeah. So it is like it got a a hundred and eighty <laughs> on the first day. Man. 
So it is just, it's trucking right now. So it's just, you know, it's continuing to be so great to get affirmation for you guys that, you know, you still like us. You still want us to keep doing what we're doing. You're still going to listen to whatever episodes we put out. And we're looking forward to um, showing you guys what we mm. have planned for 2021. I usually plan pretty far in advance. And like I've already I'm already in February right now in my in my planning and my research. So, um, you know, I already I already have an idea of what's going to be going on. So it's it's going to be some really good stuff, and you guys don't want to miss it. But just thank you again for constantly being there for us, for all of our patrons. Um, thank you for all the recommendations that you guys send us, all of the words of encouragement, the stories. Um, it just it really means a lot to us. I know it definitely does for me. I won't. I won't it speak does. to the other guys, <laughs> but it does. It means, yeah, yeah. Well, I, I mean, I'm bigger than sure. <laughs> um, So yeah, we um, we're looking forward to a great year next year, and we're we're not going to take a break as next year at the beginning of 2021, we're going to be there with a volume mm-hmm. two. And, um, oh man, this is a volume two that I've been yep. waiting to do for a while. And I think is going to be very, and we'll, I'll probably even talk about it a little bit when we get into the second part of the episode. But let's go ahead and just talk about the real reason why we're here. And that is the music of 2020. Not the music just that we talked about, but about the music that came out. So, I had this idea that, you know, normally this is an episode that we would do a music history episode, but I figured that that would kind of be anticlimactic. This is the last episode of the year. Let's make it special. And so I thought, let's do a music history, but the year is 2020. One of the, one of the strangest years of all time, Mm -hmm. especially for music. So just to recap, I just, I remember like it was yesterday as um, the coronavirus was starting to make its way around Asia. I remember seeing headlines that such such band is canceling their Japanese tour or their Australian tour. And I was just like, oh, okay. That literally has no effect to me. I'm sorry for those guys but you know I mean, that sounds so terrible right. the way i just said that that i don't care i mean obviously that i'm i'm very sorry that you guys got the axe first but i just i had no idea that it was going to um have any kind right. of effect here so then we uh get to about February and that's when it starts to spread to Europe and everyone starts talking about canceling their European tours and that's when I realized uh oh mm-hmm. 
something's happening here. I, I, I had this, this sneaking suspicion that, um, that all kinds of tours were on their way to being canceled. And then as soon as the first reports of COVID coming in, in America, it was just like, well, that's the end of music for, and I also didn't think it would last for the, for the year. I mean, it's it's hard to even think about a time when we were like, by mm-hmm. summer, this will all be gone. And I think it's hilarious to go back and listen to our episodes at the beginning of the year and us like joking yeah. about coronavirus. I, I I kind of feel bad yeah. about that now. But I mean, it was just like, that's how I feel like a lot of people felt that way. There was just, it was inconceivable at that time to think about the entire country being mm-hmm. shut down. It was, it was just something that mm-hmm. didn't even cross mm-hmm. your mind. And, um, you know, it just, just continued to lengthen. And I remember, you know, seeing articles saying in, in summer festivals and touring will start again. And then it started to become, okay, maybe in October. Now everyone's saying it's 2021. It's looking like it probably won't even Mm -hmm. be 2021 now. And it just, it leaves us in this weird place. Mm -hmm. Like, where do we go from here? You know, it's almost you starting to have this desperate feeling of just like live music will never <laughs> come back. It's gone forever. Like I, I watch these concerts for research for the podcast and I see all these big crowds thrown together and I like start to get sad. Cause in my mind, I, I think, I can't even imagine what that's like mm. to be in a crowd again. This mm. may never happen again. I mean, I would love to believe that it would. Um, it's just the way it has been, it's really easy to think yeah. that, that it'll never will be. But we got to believe that it will because we need yeah. live music again. We need the, the, um, the energy that it brings, the, the magic, the, um, the, the unity it's um yeah it's just uh are you you getting sad what a year yeah i'm i'm getting sad i mean there could have been so many great um so many great yeah shows that we could have seen this year and so many reunions that got completely mm-hmm. um, shelved. Like My Chemical Romance was one of them. They got together on like at the end of December. And we're going to do this big tour. And all of a sudden, nope. Rage Against the Machine gets back mm-hmm. together, announces a tour. Nope. Um, Red Hot Chili Peppers reunites with John Frusciante. Nope. So it's just it's been um you know it's 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 been sad to kind of think of what yeah 
all the what ifs. And of course, you know, all these all these new albums that came out this year, we don't get tours for them. Oh man. Um I'll I'll talk about this more when we get to our songs of our first song. Imagine if they had toured. Uh to see to see that would have been yeah. like life changing. So um yeah, and and so once, you know, live music got shut down, because, I mean, when you look at the the state of musicians these days, especially, I would say, ones that are not at the top of the pop charts, like your rock and roll guys, they really yeah. need touring to survive, because especially with streaming they don't make make near as much money now when you're these pop guys that are getting billions of streams but still touring that adds up and i mean still touring is the thing but i feel like it's it hits those guys harder because they don't have near as much of the of the royalties coming in that some of these other guys do. Yep. Yep. And it's uh it's kind of sad. So um so yeah everyone has been making albums at yes. their in their home studios. And I think it's really telling which artists are really financially having a hard time. Because they've made more than one album <laughs> this year, I think it's I think it's telling whenever they're you know they make an album right when the pandemic starts, and then at the end of the year another album comes out. That's kind of when you know, oh, I think that you're struggling because <laughs> they they make it as as well. We just had so much more music to write. I think it's because you mm-hmm. needed to put something else out so you can have some money coming in. Yeah, lots. Because I don't think it's just your right board. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep. And I don't. I don't blame them for that. But you know, at the same time, you know, when you when you're writing this much music at once it tends to the the quality tends to go down um because you're just you're just writing music for um the sake of either filling time mm-hmm. or because you need the money right now there are exceptions you know the great the great writers are gonna always write great or most of the time write great but other artists you know i think that uh, it's going to be telling to kind of see what songs and what artists and what albums from this year kind of stand the test of time and which ones weren't just pandemic fads mm-hmm so, um, as far as 
like the music, the type of music from this year. Those of you that know me know that I'm still dipping into modern music. I'm getting better at it. I feel like I know a lot more than I used to, but I'm still would consider myself, you know, a very um, beginning listener, especially considering the fact that I'm usually not listening to modern music as it comes out because all of my listening is um, consumed in whatever artist I'm researching for that week. So I, I actually really hardly listen to my favorite artists casually anymore. I don't really <laughs> listen to anything casually anymore. I, I'm okay with that because I'm usually really enjoying what I am listening to. But I'm not usually putting on something just because I, I feel like listening to this. I do every now and then. Like the other day, I was um, researching an episode. I was just like, you know what? I really want to listen to The Wall right now. I'm going to stop what I'm doing. And I'm going to listen mm. to The Wall. Yeah, I did that the other day, actually. <laughs> so, yeah. Mm. Sometimes you just got an itch for The Wall. So, um, but luckily, and this is another reason why I'm really glad that Ethan is here, because <laughs> oh, Ethan, yeah. you are our modern music guy. <laughs> <laughs> why do you, why do you say that as if you're, uh, I don't know, as if I dissed like, you? Like Ethan is the source of all modern music knowledge. I'm just like, I guess, I guess I am out of the three of us. Out of, I mean, out of the three of us, yes. So, um, Ethan, kind of from your more pop-leaning uh, mind and your more kind of just general foot in modern, what did you think about kind of the songs that came out this year there's kind that of were on the radio? In the egg situation, because almost all of the songs that are ending up in... So like right now I'm looking at Spotify, like they did their like wrapped, but then they did top tracks of 2020, which was the most streamed songs in the U.S. on Spotify in 2020. I guess we could go global, but U.S. is a pretty good indicator. And um, almost all of the songs in this top 50 were um, TikTok trends. <laughs> which i don't think is a bad thing mm -hmm. i guess first yes because it's a thing you know so it's not good or bad it's just, it just exists it's just interesting how yeah it, i feel like it's the same way with remember whenever mtv came out and then all the all the top selling albums were the ones that had their music videos on mtv i feel like it's like a progression of yeah that, it used to be just be like whoever's on the radio like is is the whoever the radio randomly picks up or whoever has an agent that has a friend at the radio like they sell the most albums and then it was whoever can get their thing on mtv like they're gonna be rich and famous you know and now i feel like it's kind of come all the way through to now it's like 
whoever can make a, their song go viral on social media wins. Because we've had a lot of SoundCloud rappers mm-hmm. that have just struck big. That was more in like 2017, 2018, 2019. Uh-huh. Yeah, TikTok is a new... I, I would say when when Lil Nas X with Old Town Road just yep. completely mm-hmm. annihilated everyone last year. Um, mm-hmm. That was, because that was originally started as TikTok. I think that was the first time that probably a lot of the execs were just like, mm-hmm. everyone go to TikTok uh, now. Roddy Rich is, Find the, the next Old Town Road. Is the most streamed song of the year. And it was like, absolutely insane absolute insanity on tiktok like every single person was using this song and the other thing is on tiktok you can sort like you can see how many views each clip of audio because it's not just songs that you can use as your audio you know like anyone can make any audio but the songs are available you can Mm -hmm. also see what sounds are trending on tiktok like a hashtag kind of and so if people see that someone got a ton of hmm. views using the box as their sound, more people are incentivized because like, oh, well, you know, because you can also sort videos by sound that they use. And so you can click on so- the song that someone uses in that clip and then scroll through yeah. song, scroll through videos that use it. And so then people, it's almost like a, a snowball effect. Like if I posted a video and I got mm-hmm. five million views, and then someone saw that I got five million views, like that sound has five million views, and now it has twenty million views, and now it has a hundred million views. Like just of all the aggregated videos that are using that sound, more people start hopping on it because it's a trend now. Mm-hmm. And so, like almost all of the songs, one almost all hmm. of the songs are yeah either rap or like kind of like LA chill vibes like Harry Styles um uh huh which I will say I actually like Harry Styles yeah I I have not listened to his new album but um I've actually listened to quite a bit of his first record and was really surprised by watermelon sugar is it. his big song this i year. feel like he and it's good yeah okay i've seen i've seen it around i just i hadn't gotten around to listening to it yet but do a leap i really did like sign of the times Yeah, I've, I've seen her name around uh, a lot. Obviously, Post Malone this year. The weekend was already kind of doing stuff. The baby kind of hit it big this year. Uh, Post Malone's still around. Mm-hmm, I've heard his name a Cardi lot. B. Oh, Megan the Stallion. <laughs> yep, she. Yeah, came out I've of nowhere with a wop. Oh, that wop. But I've I've heard that just even outside of that she's mm-hmm. kind of been uh, she won some Apple Music making award. a big name for herself. So I don't think she's going away anytime soon. Eminem released Godzilla, which was kind of like the follow up hmm. to Rap God, and that wasn't trending on 
that that was that that never really trended on TikTok. That was just like, oh, Eminem released a new song, <laughs> so everyone's gonna go to it. Juice World, uh huh, was really big this year. He had set yeah. he's on seven of the top fifty songs. Oh yeah, because in America, he didn't have he wasn't in well, the top five, but he was seven of the top fifty. Wow. Yes. He passed away I this year, was, right? No, or, you're, ooh, last it year. was last year. Like maybe like maybe last at year. the end of last year? I think it was I don't I think remember. it was the latter half of last year. I remember I think it was like October. Yeah, he died and he died at the end of twenty nineteen. Okay. That's what I thought. So, um, and then we we also have some interesting things happening with certain uh, pop and rap guys kind of starting to change to a rock aesthetic. Like um, with uh, Machine Gun Kelly releasing a very rock-influenced mm-hmm. album. You've got uh, obviously Post Malone teaming up with Ozzy Osbourne, which was one of the maybe one of the stranger um, team ups ever. But actually, I didn't hate it. And um, you've got Miley Cyrus yeah, that's like kind of all of a sudden herself. now Did a hardcore rock album of the year rocker or something. Um, I don't know, but you know, it's rock kind of almost seems like it's a thing that's maybe starting to become a little oh, in vogue again. Please. please, I don't, I don't think like I feel like it's one of those things maybe that it's not, it's not gonna like have a big comeback, but it's like a thing to where. Like an artist is going to try and make. Greta a rock Van Fleet album, did release their once. second album, I think. I thought it. I don't think it had come out yet. I thought that it was. I thought we were. Okay. I think I definitely know some singles have come out. I don't think the I album heard has come singles out yet. That I assumed, and it was multiple, so I had assumed that it was. But yeah, there's there's like a super retro rock band. That's a new artist. Yeah, I they they're I feel yeah, like they're a bit more but... of an anomaly, though. I don't. I've I kind of a couple years ago I would have thought that maybe they would have um, started a movement, but if they were going to start a movement, it would have happened by now. Mm. Let me have my hope. <laughs> Yeah, I used to have that hope. I'm I used becoming to be a more, young adventurer more realistic as time goes on. <laughs> yeah. And then you took an arrow to Although the Post Malone and, and Ozzy is not the most unlikely um, duo. Because Post Malone is supposedly a pretty big metal fan. I know, yeah. he used to be in like a 
in a deathcore band before he turned to a rapper. But also, you know, I guess, I guess, in the sense, just like you know, not in the sense of like he's a rapper, he's a rock star. It was more of just like their per their personas and their voices. I I wouldn't have thought to put the, them two together. I think their personas. Well, okay, maybe not. Oh, yeah. I'll just say that's a real thinker. I think that all it takes for Rock to come back is is. Well, I, I'll say this. I think from the Opeth episode, I feel like someone is pushing metal forward. You know. But in terms of like rock trying mm-hmm. to be, and I think that this is actually the problem with rock. Yeah, because I'm about to, because I was about to say someone that's trying to make rock mainstream. But I feel like there's a lot of people that like rock that don't, that are like, they want it to not be mainstream. And it's like, the genre is dying because uh-huh. nobody is like everyone has become such purists that like they don't want their rock song to like make it big on TikTok mm-hmm. because they think TikTok is cheap. And, yeah, and even if even if it is a little kitschy, it it's like working. Mm-hmm. And I think if someone just embraced like. Like someone could do it. Someone could make a rock album and it blow up. And you could have like, and Miley Cyrus might be the one to do it because she's like fully embracing like that '90s rocker girl vibe. And I think being that niche with it, mm-hmm. like, could be a, a big win actually for rock. It was kind of like the. Like a bunch of YouTubers have started boxing, and a lot of boxing purists uh-huh. have like been like, "Why are you making a joke out of the sport?" You know. But, but like Floyd Mayweather, and like the like the biggest names in boxing are like, I didn't think it would look like this, but I'm glad like. I'm glad that it's happening because no one has cared about boxing it more in the past 30 years than they care about the these fights with YouTube boxers. You know. And but now Yeah, I, 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 yeah, no one ever talks about boxing because now boxing hasn't been... is now this weird way to call someone out and if you're already like a celebrity like it's it's this whole thing about I feel like twenty twenty and probably beyond it has been the year where like people having their own brand and their and a following already, they're figuring out how to take their following anywhere. You know? So someone can have mm-hmm. ten million YouTube subscribers and say that they're gonna go box and then they, they sell a million tickets. You know? <laughs> Someone can, like, someone can mm-hmm. just go so lateral with their fan base now that, you know. But I feel like Rock isn't doing that. Like, Rock people aren't on social media. 
Like they like See, they have fans because they have good music, not fans because they're them. Yeah. You know. Well. And just and just rock is rock has become very stale lately. You know, you it's harder and harder to find good rock albums coming out. Um now heavy metal is in a very oh, I would yeah. say in a very good place right now. Even though even though I would say you don't you didn't have a lot of big time artists releasing records this year. Uh the underground scene oh, it's is amazing. like on the, fire right the now. The number of people who suddenly now have time to actually track the music that's in their head. And all of and and this goes for mm-hmm. really any genre, I would say. I've had a number of friends who are musically inclined who have released full-length albums this year of their own, you know, material that I would never have guessed they would ever even, you know, have the time or have the willingness to do that. And so even though, like, yeah, we're not going to have, or we didn't have very much live music this year, and we didn't have a lot of um, music from metal bands. We had a lot of music from solo artists and kind of just, you know, the garage band or the the attic studio artists. I think that I think it was a good year for people like that for ver- for independent artists. Yeah, like I'm looking through. Um, like the the lists of the best metal albums of the year, and they're all from like mm-hmm. these underground album, these underground bands. Like you've got a couple mm-hmm. of big releases, like a new Lamb of God record. Um, there was a new, obviously the new Ozzy Osbourne record. Um, but for the most part, you know, it was it's all these a. Uh, guys i've never heard of and it's making me hmm, i want to go check these albums out because usually mm-hmm. it's those albums well, the underground and really and fascinating we've talked about this in music history and i think it's even worth mentioning now where it's like the 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 easier it is to access music the more music there will be you know and so we're in a place now where you can you can yep. literally go on Apple Music or Spotify and just go to the rock genre and then just look at new releases and just listen to whatever is new, whether it's good or bad. And you can just hit it and be like, wow, they're good. <laughs> you know, you have this global mm-hmm. awareness of all genre rock albums on a daily basis that are releasing. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. Yeah. So, well, if you guys don't have anything else to say, I think we can go ahead and get to the next segment and talk about uh, the okay. songs that we picked for yep uh, for this episode. All right. So when we come back, we uh, are still going to have six songs. 
that we're going to be talking about, even though this is a bit of a, a different style of episode. So uh, stay tuned. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Good Music Podcast. We just finished talking about our year in review and our favorite episodes and our episodes that made us think the most about an artist and all of that and, and the music of 2020 and how that affected music as a whole. And that was quite a long segment. We had a lot to talk about, but we still have plenty more with this six song segment. If you're new, you picked quite the episode because we will be reviewing more things that we've talked about in the podcast i'm sure um but you're probably a little bit confused as to what our six song segment is um welcome by the way if you are new um and lucas will explain to you guys what this segment is all about so this is very very different from the six segment sections that we normally do Normally, this if we're talking about an artist, this is where we um, talk, you know, about you know the artist's music. We introduce you to the artist. We're picking six songs where you're like, this is your best first step. Um, if we're doing a music history episode, we're trying to get songs that kind of you know sum up that time explain a lot of the different um, musical ideas being introduced. Neither of those things are really happening. Really, I'm, there's, there's not like a rhyme or reason to it. I just picked six songs from 2020 that I really liked and tried to make them kind of diverse. So um, Ethan was telling me earlier that he was really disappointed that I didn't put any rap in there. <laughs> And you well, I'm know, surprised because 2020 was like all the biggest songs were rap songs. Yeah, you did but, pick the number two song of the year. Yeah, uh, at the at the time when I picked it, it was number one. So I guess that it lost the number one like just now. So. Because that was the whole reason I picked it. I was like, I got to pick the biggest song of the year at least. I think it was the biggest the biggest one at the time that you looked. But now that we have, like now that Spotify is pretty much releasing the data on like the most streamed songs for the year. Mm-hmm. But, you know. Couldn't pull through. I, I, I know. But, you know, intentions are what matters. <laughs> So, um, but the rule that does still apply that I put with all of my lists is that I'm not just slapping any old songs together. I am still searching for songs that give the set a flow, that they have a um, an emotional arc that they follow. I um, have ordered them in a way to where they transition well from each other and that by the end of the set hopefully there is a cathartic emotional experience and so um the way that you can listen to these songs 
is there's a link in the description of the episode that will take you to a Spotify playlist where you will get to listen to not just these songs, but all the songs from our previous episodes as well. So please make sure that you go out and listen to them. Even those of you guys that maybe are old school purists like I used to be and I'm slowly starting to understand and like more modern music um you know give these songs a chance that's what that's what these guys did that's what i've done and um we i would say like 99 percent of the time don't regret it mm-hmm. I, I won't say what the one percent is oh <laughs> okay <laughs> okay so we're going to start off, though, on the song that I would say gave me the most joy when I found out about it and when I listened to it. <laughs> and that is? And and that is uh, Terminal Velocity by John Petrucci. You know, before I saw this, I didn't know that he even released like a solo project. Oh, then you don't even know all the details around this, do you? Nope. Tell me. Okay, so he announced this in like like May or June this year, and it came out in like August or September. Mm-hmm. And this was his he, this was not his first solo album. His last one had come out in like two thousand three. Mm-hmm. I know, about like that. a long, long time ago. And so um, people were really um, kind of chomping at the bit. 2005 is when it last came out. People were really excited about the fact that he made a solo album. But then he showed who's playing on it. Mm -hmm. And, And Mr. Mike Portnoy on the drum. Whoa! First time them two playing together in 10 years mm-hmm. since his acrimonious breakup from Dream Theater. Oh, by the way, for those of you that are listening, John Fertucci is the uh, guitarist for Dream Theater. Those of you that have uh, either not listened or to that episode or didn't. Are not hardcore diehard fans like we are. Yeah. <laughs> uh he's he's the guitar player for dream theater in my opinion he's one of the the best out there right now mm-hmm. um, and mike portnoy was their drummer and now is not yes so yeah when when he announced that i remember just everybody losing their minds like have you seen the meme of like the the wrestling announcer and it's like the various stages of excitement. Yes. No. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, the first one being um, Petrucci's working on new music, and it's him going, hmm, "Okay." And then the middle one is him like getting ex- getting excited, and it's his first new solo album since 2005. And then the one where it's like the red eyes. Oh yeah. <laughs> and 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 it says, and Mike Portnoy is playing drums. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh man. 
Oh man, I just I was like losing it. So I've done I've done a little bit of digging and I've now been able to single out the main person that Portnoy had a beef and still has a beef with. Because I remember there were some interviews when he left the band that there was one member in particular that he said that he was really not getting along with. I mean, it's obviously freaking James Labrie. Yeah. It absolutely is. What was that other because... episode that we were that we were talking about? Was it Sticks, where the guitar player and the lead singer were getting in drama? Yeah. Yeah, I feel like guitar players and lead singer, or, like, because, um, Mike Portnoy was like kind of the principal songwriter, but James Labrie was also a, a songwriter. I wouldn't say I wouldn't say him and I would say actually Pachucci wrote more than he did, but um, he was the creative force of the band. He had a say in how the album cover looked, how it was packaged. He had was had the biggest hand in how the stage looked he picked the set lists every night um you know he was the one that was steering them in a lot of musical directions going hey you know i want to write a song in the vein like this obviously he wasn't writing on guitar or anything but he was just like man i really want to write you know a a more foo fighters sounding song i want to write a more muse sounding song or you know, I want to I want to have something with some blast beats in it, or some more harsh vocals, or mm-hmm. you know, and um, he was really kind of like you know the brain of the band. Yeah, where Pachucci was a much more passive member, but when you look at you know all the songwriting credits he's he had written more yeah. songs than portnoy did during but that portnoy time. was like the heart i feel like portnoy yeah, was like and a huge huge part of the band yes he was and you know that was devastating whenever he left but yeah there was there was definitely one member that he said and so obviously we now know that everything is squared away between him and Pachucci. Now we find out that Liquid Tension Experiment is back together, which also is Portnoy and Pertucci plus Jordan Rudess, and also, you know, Tony Levin from Peter Gabriel, which is low-key maybe one of the greatest bass players of all time. Oh, I feel bad for John. Um, well, the the whole story about Liquid Tension is that it was not meant to be a side shoot of Dream Theater. Um, when Mike Portnoy put it together, he didn't originally want Pachucci to be part of it. And Rudess wasn't even part of the band yet when they made the first album. Mm-hmm. That was almost like his audition. Mm-hmm. They, they made that album. They were just like, um, can you be our new keyboard player? <laughs> Uh, and but originally he was going to have uh, Dimebag be the guitarist for Liquid Tension, and Dime said that he couldn't do it, and, 
and he was, you know, running low on time. So it was just like, uh, okay, John, come on and play with me. Mm-hmm. And so, um, so it's kind of like it's it's it was never meant to be like a dream theater side project. It was kind of meant to be something that could be a bit more apart from what Dream Theater mm-hmm. did. But in a way, it kind of really actually turned into what Dream Theater would become because they made that first album and you listen to it and like, you know, a lot of all the Dream Theater albums that came after that really followed that approach. Mm -hmm. So I don't feel bad for me young because it wasn't that wasn't what it was ever meant to be. It just it kind of accidentally turned into that. So I definitely don't feel uh, bad for James Labrie. No. <laughs> oh man. God. Man, he gets a lot of crap. I I I don't feel as bad just because I've just I've found more and more that he's just not the best person. I feel like he's a whiny baby. Yeah. He kind of looks kind and, of and sings like a whiny baby. <laughs> Yeah, but that's neither here or there. Yeah. Um, but because of that, we now know that that Rudess is on great working conditions with him. And I think that if you're Mike Mangini right now, oh, dude, you gotta kind of you gotta start sweating a little bit because first Portnoy plays with Pertucci. Now he's playing with Perchucci and Rudess. And you know that those are the current two leaders of the band right mm, now. Yeah. <laughs> you got to be thinking, uh-oh, I see a pattern here. There's momentum building. That relationship between Portnoy and them is growing stronger and stronger by by the minute. But at the same time... Who knows what's going to happen next? I mean, but at the same time, Mangenia has earned his place. He's been there for 11 years, and he they, I know. they've made four albums with him, and he's still... He's got the chops. I think he's earned his place. He has earned his and place, he seems and like I think cool that, that... Yes. I think... That's what that's what makes the situation harder, is that he is definitely not a drummer that you would just cast aside. He's freaking Mike Mangini. Mm-hmm. He holds the world record for fastest hands. <laughs> but it's also Mike Portnoy, the man who founded the band. He's one of the three founding members. Aww. He's he was the heart and soul of the band for so long, and you know how the fans feel about him. Yeah. If, like a, a lot of the diehard fans, if you were to give them the choice, if you know, oh yeah, would you would you trade Main Genie for Portnoy? Just about everyone would say yes. I will also bring say back. though, if Portnoy went back into the band, like you know the the album. 
that came after Mike Portnoy rejoining the the songwriting process would be absolute fire. Yes, it would be. <laughs> and I and honestly, I think that is something that they have missed a little bit. While they have had some good songs, you can just tell that there's just there's something that's not I, there. I feel like there's no attitude anymore. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's it kind of it's there's a little bit of character that's gone. As as good as some moments can be because obviously it's dream theater. It's there's there's going to be great mind-bending moments. But I feel like their moments have been more theatrical. Yes. Like they they've been more of these like you know dramatic kind of ascending things rather than like, dramatic turn of events uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay but even like the the concept record it's like it's more like storytelling and more symphonic and more you know ambient and mm-hmm. and, and there's there there wasn't anything where it was just like that's crazy because they felt like it yeah I feel like Portnoy was kind of this guy just like, ooh, come on, let's yeah. do something like this. Yeah, yeah, come yeah. on. I mean, Black Clouds and Silver Linings has that weird nature of experimentalism just written all over it. And it has storytelling mm-hmm. that I think in A Nightmare to Remember is one of the greatest stories that I have no idea what's happening at all songs that I regularly listen to. I really love that song. And yeah. you don't have one of those on the recent albums. You know? No. E- uh, even Illumination Theory. I I kind of like that. But it's just not... You know, it's yeah. not... It's not, it's the not next quite the It's not quite the same. Yeah. So It's not Train of Thought. Right. It kind of it kind of the the technicality feels stranger. Yeah. And then there's just there's something again whenever you hear it whenever you listen to this song Terminal Velocity that Perchucci and Portnoy are musical soulmates. Mhm. They you can hear that. They are song. meant they're meant to play together. They know better than anyone else what to play with mm. each other. Because Portnoy can play all these crazy, complex things, and yet it so perfectly matches whatever Pachucci is doing. He all he never plays stuff that's like so complicated that you can't wrap your mind around it. But at the same time, it's still really tough to pull yep. off. Where I feel like more Mangini style is he's intending to like make you go, I don't understand what's happening. He has such weird ways that he... And I mean, that does add for some really cool moments, but it also makes it to where you kind of take away the musicality yeah. of it. Where when Portnoy plays, it's very musical and it's it has so much feel to it. I forgot just how much feel he has when he's playing with Bertucci, and you can just you can just feel that everything just 
hits at the right spot. It's so clean. Um, it's so emotional. Like you can tell that he is having the time of his life cutting that track. Yeah. So let's so now let's get into the song yep. itself. So this was the actual the opening song to the album. And it's the title song, obviously. And it's the title song. And this was the advanced single that, you know, got everyone a taste of that reunion. Mm-hmm. And this song is I I didn't know what to expect. I thought maybe it would be like a more metal sounding song. But this is a surprisingly happy, uplifting sounding song. It's in, yeah, it's in major and it hits that major over, you know, third. It's to me, and I guess, you know, for me, it's kind of hard to separate what's going on behind the scenes from the music, but it really does sound like a, like a brothers reuniting song. Yep. It, that's just, that's just the whole feeling that I get from it. It's kind of like a, Welcome and back. the entire song does have that rather upbeat, happy mood. And it's very characteristic of John Petrucci to do these crazy, crazy guitar lines, but you can never quite put your finger on when he starts playing fast, you know, when are the fast sections or whatever, because it just all flows. And that's something that John Petrucci's always been very good about. And I and listening to this song, I was thinking, oh, my gosh, he's playing fast now. I didn't even notice because it's like it fits. It's like he is one of those guitar players that has that flow. So. Yeah. Well, obviously, this is um, the entire album is instrumental, right. so we don't have any lyrics to talk right. about. So we just we just got to go straight into the music. Um, it's amazing how much mileage he gets out of pretty much just three lines and a guitar solo chord mm-hmm. progression. Mm-hmm. Um, you've got you've got you've pretty much got three main melodic lines that he keeps going back to, but every single time he changes either the tone he's playing, the you know the octave that he's in. The other instruments around him are changing their dynamics to where every single time it hits, it feels fresh. And but at the same time, you you hear it and you to where you're. It's not like this labyrinthine um, map where sometimes instrumentals can go. There's actually not a ton of musical ideas overwhelming your senses. And I think that that's um, really cool to see him kind of, you know, lay it back a little bit. And of course, you know, the big the big center point of the song is the big guitar solo. Yep. It's it's a guitar album. That's kind of that's going to be the whole point of why you go is because you want to hear okay, what are the solos going to be mm-hmm. like. I, I remember thinking that when I was listening to um, Kiko Luriero's solo album this year, I was like, you know, yeah, I guess the lead lines are all right. They're great. I like them, but I was really looking forward to about that, that two thirds of the way in 
mark when the solo started because that's i mean that's what that's how it yeah, is that's right, you know, especially that's right, when you're like a a solo career of an instrumentalist something that you wouldn't be looking for on like a liquid tension experiment album mm-hmm. so we could ethan what do you what do you think about this a good song? jam i was kind of surprised at how happy it was as well because i it's it's weird to hear like kind of the i guess it's still prog at the end of the day i would Mm -hmm. still classify it as prog but yeah but it's it's not proggy yeah but like there's not really there's only one one instance where i remember there was a weird time yeah it's like that it's it's when he's he's like whatever that the hits are well actually the hits are still in 4-4 but there's a point at the very end when he's uh shredding and uh portnoy does that that he's so good at that they add a an extra eighth note at the end that's funny and just just because they don't do it any other part of the song, and because you you're expect and because of that you're expecting it to, and then it doesn't. You're like, oh god, oh okay, <laughs> okay, I'm here. So um, yeah, it's it's yeah, it's not. I feel like this is not a song that you would hear on a Dream Theater record because. Not just because of the fact that it doesn't have words. Because, I mean, you know, obviously they've done instrumentals. They've um, they've done all that. But it's just the fact that, again, it's, it's, it is uncomplicated as far as just the way yeah. that it's structured, the way that the parts are put together. Obviously, they're playing the parts with a lot of skill. But it's it's very straightforward and it's it is refreshing to hear that from him yep and just overall this this is my favorite song just because again adding in all of the outside context of just what it means for me as a fan and then, of course, just musically, this this song just really does it for me. Yeah, this is a good song. Is it is plain. is it either of y'all's favorite? Um, I mean, kind of by default. I feel like I have to say this is my favorite, but I didn't. Why well, do you I, have I, to I, say it? Get to what I'm saying. Oh my goodness! Because like, this is this is an artist that I listen to a lot, but I didn't find myself wanting to return to it as much as I did some of the other songs, particularly my favorite song of the set. Um, just because I tend to not be a very instrumentalist person. I don't like instrumentals. They have to be really, really, really good or really notable for me to actually like them i think rush is an exception whereas i like pretty much all their instrumentals um but somehow it's just like 
some of the extremely proggy instrumentals or even like stuff like this you know i don't i don't it doesn't appeal to me and that's just my personal preference you know somebody else i'm sure who listens to the same stuff as me would probably absolutely love this and i do absolutely love this song it just happened to not be my favorite because i didn't get the same kind of re-listen value hmm. i definitely yeah. did i i kept listening to this song over and over again also uh my oldest son loves this song we would get in the car and he would say can you put on terminal velocity <laughs> Oh man! Let's <laughs> say sure, son. <laughs> Although this was not his favorite song either, because I always listen to the songs with him whenever I'm in the driving mm-hmm. around, and I'll and I'll teach him about the artist. I'll be like, like I'll tell him for that week. Okay, this week we're listening to uh, whatever song or whatever artist is up next, and. He always gets mad at first because he wants to go listen to more of the artists that we have been oh. listening to. <laughs> so he's your first. But person. then usually he's the first person you have to sell. Yep. Uh huh. And usually he always has a song that he like likes the most. That we should add Harry's. Favorites. And that is we should add a Harry's favorites playlist. Yeah. Um, and his favorite is our next. Let's get into it. No, that's actually about what I expected. Thinking about how much he likes that artist. Yes, I would say that probably um, ACDC is his favorite artist. So our second song is "Shot in the Dark" by ACDC. You know. Until I saw this on the playlist, I didn't know that ACDC released an album in 2020 either. We talked about it, didn't we? Oh, man. Yeah, we've talked about it. we mentioned it very briefly. (laughs) Okay. So, so there's, this is, I think, as far as positive music stories, I think that this is the big story of the year. Because um, when ACDC was last together in 2014, I've told this story before, but for those of y'all that have not heard the episode that I've actually talked about in two different episodes Mm -hmm. now, but I'm going to, I'm going to do it again just for everyone that hasn't heard. When ACDC started the record tour process for Rocker Bust in 2014, um, their founding guitar player, Malcolm Young, who is uh, Angus's older brother, who's the lead guitarist and the figurehead, the face of the band. Um, Malcolm was like the main songwriter. He was also really the leader of the band. He made a lot of the executive decisions. He was the behind the scenes brain of the band. And he had very severe dementia at that point and could no longer be with the band. He contributed a lot of riffs to uh, the Rocker Bust album, but he did mm-hmm. not play on it. 
Instead, they had to get um, their nephew, Stevie mm-hmm. Young, which at least they kept it in the family because only a young can play ACDC yep. guitar properly. Um, then, so Malcolm's out. So it's a, it's a five-piece band because you got two guitar players, singer, bassist, drummer. Uh, so that's one of the five that's gone of the classic lineup. Then you have um, Phil Rudd, who is their drummer and has been their drummer since since the first record. Although there was a period in the 80s and 90s that he was not there, but he came back in 95. From like 83 to 95, he wasn't in the band. Um, so, but he's played on all the big records. He got arrested for attempting to procure a hitman. And um, accidentally um, solicited an undercover cop. Rookie mistake. And when they raided his house, they found a ton of meth. He had he had been oh he'd been on the whoop chicken. And so obviously he was out of the band after that happened. And so that's two down. Then about two-thirds through the tour, Brian Johnson has to immediately step down because he is about to suffer permanent hearing loss and um, doesn't even get really like a proper farewell. It's just like he's out all of a sudden. So that's three down. Then... Do these guys not Is use what? in-ears? Well, they didn't for a long Fair time, enough. apparently. And I guess, well, yeah. he does now. And their concerts are loud because they have to play to a lot of people. Yeah, they're they're known as one of the loudest bands of all time. That's like one of their pride uh, statements. All right. And then... Uh, Cliff Williams, their longtime bassist, who's been with them since um, the mid '70s, said that he, at the end of the tour, he was retiring. Man, hmm. so by the end of that process, four out of five classic lineup members were gone. Angus was the only left, and. He never made a statement. He didn't say, oh, well, because all these guys are gone, ACDC's done. He just faded away into obscurity. Mm-hmm. You didn't see him. And and in that time, right after the tour was done, Malcolm died. So obviously that was like that completely put the nail in the coffin of him ever being back in the band. And it was just kind of like, well... I guess ACDC's done, but he never said it was done. I don't know. It was just kind of up in the air. We we had no idea what was going mm-hmm. on. So at the beginning of November, out of the blue, they announce that not only is a new ACDC album coming out, 
but that Brian Johnson's back, Phil Rudd's back, and Cliff Williams is back. Do they got the, do they got like the nephew? Pretty, and they still got they still oh, got yeah. the nephew. Yeah, they oh, still yeah. got him playing guitar. So pretty much it's the, the old lineup is mm-hmm. back minus Malcolm. Brian Johnson was able to get some special treatment and some special in-ears to help mm-hmm. save his Mr. hearing. Mr. Rudd isn't, isn't Phil Rudd hitman anybody, as far as we know. No, those charges got dropped, and he just had to serve house arrest for the meth possession. And he got his act together. And then Cliff Williams decided, I don't want to be retired anymore. I'm bored. I want to make music right. again. And so it was like this huge moment where the entire rock community was like, oh, thank God, 2020 (laughs) has been saved. Yeah. I think that it's just, you know, who would want to end on a note like that? That's a pretty crappy way to go. Yeah. I think I... Obviously, we have no idea if this is meant to be the final record, but, you know, I think that their mindset was, let's let's go out the right way. Let's not – ACDC is one of the biggest, most powerful bands of all time. We don't want things to end mm-hmm. on a whimper like that. I think that their mindset was let's let's give that another go. And so um the new album was called Power Up and man it's a great record. One of my one of my early Christmas presents is I got to get it on vinyl. And I got a and I got a Power Up t-shirt that came along Ooh, with it. Man, I saw it on vinyl it vintage stock and i really thought about getting it but i actually hadn't listened to it yet so it was like i don't know would i even want it you know on vinyl yeah it's okay. it's pretty good obviously it's not going to ever be as good right, as the classic era if it if it's a return to that level it's that same league of quality then good for them yeah I think it's one of their best in a while. I would say probably their best since 95's Ball Breaker. That's a while. So. 25 yeah. years. Well, I mean, there were only th- there were only three other albums that were released during that time, but still. True. Uh, it just, it, of their, of their late career, I think that this is their best. Well, let's talk so, about the song itself. So, yeah. I think that this song is the best one on the album. This song just, to me, this is a song that I think fits perfectly with the ACDC oh, yeah. classics. This is This is just, this is as pure as it gets. And um, there's just... It just has an immediate yeah. power to it. I mean, power up. This was the, just like uh, Terminal Velocity, this was the advanced single 
that was released. This is the first single that they put out. This was everybody's first taste of the reunited lineup. And I think that they couldn't have put a better first. Yeah, especially that, that opening guitar sound. You know, yeah. it sounds so classic ACDC. But the mixing of this, it's mm-hmm. it's a marrying of the modern era level quality of mixing, but it still definitely sounds like them. And especially mm-hmm. those backing vocals. Sounds very ACDC. Yeah. Yeah. I I think this song Oh yeah. This song stands up to the classic era in my mind. Mm-hmm. Like it just it sounds I mean ACDC hasn't changed their sound, you know, a lot. Well, because it works, you know. Yeah, if it ain't it broke, works. and no, that's I'm not, and I, that's, that's not a critique. It's oh, just yeah. like a, like this sounds like an ACDC song. Yep. Yep. And that's that's and that's that's, a good that's thing always been their for them point. Yeah, that's any time that they um, try and veer away from the formula, it usually never works. And so they they learned pretty early that you know we should just we should just do what we know, and I think they're one of the few bands that have had pretty much now to say they've had no evolution is not true. They obviously would they they would grow mm-hmm. as songwriters over time, but as far as just like. They never had an experimental era. They never had an era where they're just like, ooh, what if we tried this sound or this style or this, that? They always set out to make an s- album that sounds like ACDC. And the, the small amount of deviation, I think they're one of the few bands that are celebrated for never changing their sound. Mo- a lot of other bands, by the third time they make an album that sounds the same, they're like, wow, you guys just have no creative um, you guys are uh, abilities. You just, you, just, you just write the same thing. With ACDC, it's criminal if they don't write the same thing. They just they – just, it helps that their songwriting is so strong that they can stay in that and continue to come up with great songs. It song also helps that song. no one sounds like them. So the only place you're going to get music that sounds like this is from ACDC. I think it's also, though, mm-hmm. that ACDC, whenever we were talking about um, My Chemical Romance, we talked about how they were in a genre and then their sound became so distinct that they transcended their own genre. I feel like ACDC mm-hmm. is also kind of yes. in that league where it's like, like they're rock. Cause they're really like not they're anything rock but roll, rock. But like, yeah. They're their own brand of rock and roll. And so much so to where if, if someone tried to emulate them, people would be like, you're literally just copying ACDC. And and they would get massive hate. Yep. Like, they're so distinct in their sound. 
and so it's so like Mm -hmm. them now that if anyone were to follow them they would be cast aside as like you just are an acbc clone yeah i agree there's not a whole lot to even yeah so uh, this song because it's just i mean it's meat and potatoes man like it's 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 mm-hmm. ACDC guitar tone. ACDC yep. guitar solo. It's ACDC chords. But let me tell you what. And I love every I, second of it. That li- that line, a shot in the dark beats a walk in the park, is like is that's one of the most <laughs> killer lines I've heard in a long time. <laughs> that's just is there it's any so perfect to be dense. Um, not really. Um, I mean, this song is pretty straightforward. It's just, it's the the whole song is just about taking risks. It's about, um, obviously we just talked about a band that does not change or, but it's, I think for them, it's just about like life itself. Do, do what you want, even if there's a limited chance that it could happen you know go for the big prize go for your dreams um you know don't play things safe you know if you if you have something that you're that you want to do you do it even if it's a shot in the dark beats a walk in the park the the chance at an extraordinary life beats the certainty of a mundane Mm. life that'll preach yeah but again told in just this the very simple um way that acdc does and man brian johnson still sounds exactly the way he did in the 80s it's kind it's kind of insane (laughs) that somehow he's found out a way to have such a rasty nasty raspy voice and yet doesn't completely destroy his voice every time he opens his mouth Mm -hmm. well it's it the reason is because that is what his talking voice is like (laughs) you listen to him talk Mm. and it's rough (laughs) i think i don't like I think that when he sings, because you even listen to when he was young, he talks like that. I don't think that he is tr- manipulating his voice when he sings to sound like that. I think he's just singing. That's just his singing voice. That's just his singing voice. He's not like putting an effect on it, like say a metal vocalist would do, where you know, like. A death metal vocalist, when they talk, they're not <laughs> like they talk like a normal mm-hmm. person. Does. The metal eclipse show, and like you know, like someone like um, someone like Opeth uh, or Michael Ackerfeld from Opeth, he has two voices that he sings in. Brian Johnson doesn't have two voices that he sings in. I don't think. I think that he that is his natural singing voice. It just happens to be raspy. Mm. 
And so I, because of that, I think that is why he has not <laughs> destroyed his voice is because that just is his voice and why I'm sure a lot of people would destroy their voice if they tried to, because most people have to add the gravel <laughs> and, and his to it to there. sound like him. The, it's, it's the gravel is just there mm-hmm. indefinitely. Yeah. So, but I mean, just, yeah, he just, he, he still, had, he's in his, he's a lot older than the other guys in the band. He's in his seventies. Wow. Where the, where the other guys are like in their mid sixties. That's crazy. So, yeah. Um, this, I, this is also going to be a great little, um, appetite. Uh, uh, or appetizer for us because I'm going to go ahead and drop the ball and say that um, next week our first episode of the year our volume 2 yeah. is going to be ACDC I, wanna, I wanted to I wanted to uh, kind of keep things uh, going because ACDC is very much kind of the uh, the band right now. You know, they're they're very much kind of just in the public mm-hmm. consciousness right now. And so um, I wanted to, to just keep talking about them because really this is, of any rock band right now, this well, is their time. Speaking of keeping things going, we are 50 minutes in. We've only talked about two of the songs. <laughs> yeah. So let's go ahead and get to the next song, which is, unless you guys have anything else to say. Caution. Mm-mm. All right. Okay. Just want to make Mm-mm. sure. All right. So this song is by the Killers. Caution. So this kind of harkens back yes. to our first episode being on the killers and i was wondering yes, it does if you're gonna make it the last song of the set but you didn't but that's okay because the set still flows the way that it should yeah so if, so pretty much kind of what i've been what i'm doing is i i start with my most intense song first because when you're when you've got this many genres you're going to be bouncing between to like be kind of constantly um, jerked from style to style um, doesn't Mm -hmm. feel as good. And so my approach with this was let's, let's start to kind of ease our way towards. Yeah. Uh Uh-huh. So um, the Killers did have a new album that came out. Uh, I think I've said before that I'm I'm not the biggest fan of it. There, there. I'm waiting to still see if it grows on me. But this song off of that album, I really, really love. Far- your favorite of the set? Mm-hmm. This is oh, my yeah. favorite of the set. Oh yeah! So it's just 
a really well written song. It, it just <laughs> it feels right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's mixed right. It's just there's something about it that you can't put your finger on. That it's like me as someone who listens to metal, this shouldn't be my favorite song, but it just is. There's something just just sits right about it. That's and the killers are really really good about that. Yeah, this this. Uh huh. Yeah. So um, this song reportedly has been with the band for quite a long time, and they just never had the right record to put it on. <laughs> and now they finally have. Um, the aesthetic of this whole album is um, is really interesting. It kind of has, in some ways, a bit of a return to roots feel about it, where they're kind of going back to kind of the sound of the early days while still having the the pop sensibilities that they picked up more in their mm-hmm. in their recent period and i think that i think that it doesn't fit as well as it could throughout the whole record i feel like just a lot of the songs kind of have a bit of a issue where they it doesn't know what it wants to be but this song just it has that perfect blend of you've got these these moments of just these this nice beautiful calm and these explosive mm-hmm. bursts of emotion. Yep. Yeah, the drum the drum back like, like when those it's so good. Yeah, when those when those choruses kick in I mean, you know, it's you know right. that and, it's business. And one time. of the opening lines, he says, like she's got Hollywood eyes, but he doesn't just sing eyes. You know, he does that the way, the way he sings it. He kind of like drops it towards the end, where he's almost saying it a little bit. Yeah, and mm-hmm. and ah. that is technically yeah precise. And so that's that's another reason why I should say I shouldn't like this song. But because there's but it works. But it works. Right. For whatever reason, it just it works. He is a very imprecise singer. It's it's one of his traits. It's one of his hallmarks as a singer. Is that he he actually will will waver out of pitch quite often, but he it's almost like you can tell he's actually doing it on purpose. And it's because of that that it works instead of just you don't get the feeling when he goes out of pitch yeah. that he's doing it because like he's, he's a bad in singer. Control of his voice. It's because he's he's trying to get this um, this emotion through. He wants it. He's trying to get a emotion rawness before technicality. Yes. And the 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 thing about Brandon Flowers that you can never say about him is that he does not put his heart and soul into most vocals that he mm-hmm. puts forward. 
and you know that that tends to be you know a lot of what shines about I would say even specifically the later day as the the instruments kind of become less the focus. Um, whereas in a lot of their early stuff, you, it's, it is very guitar heavy and the drums are much more prevalent. Um, when you get into the later period, it is much more carried by Brain Flowers' vocal performance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and even though the band is very powerful, again, that's they're kind of they're they're not the the the, the focus of what's going on musically. Definitely, the the focus is is what Brandon's doing. Right. Yep. Right. Now we actually have a um, a guest instrumentalist really? on this song. Uh huh. Playing the guitar solo at the end. Okay. Who? And it is. I, this this blew my mind when I found out about it. And and as soon as I realized it, I was just like, oh, of course it is. And it's Lindsey Buckingham of Fleetwood Mac. Well, that's a nice little tidbit there. Who, in in my opinion, may be one of the most underrated guitar wow. players of all time. He is a monstrous guitar player. He's someone that has so much pure skill. Like he is a guy that can mm-hmm. shred, and he oh. does not play with a pick. Wow. He finger picks everything. That would hurt my fingers after a while. Uh-huh. And so he's he's a Mark Knopfler um, in that uh, sense. And so he, um, yeah, that, that soaring guitar solo, I should have known that Lindsey Buckingham wrote that. Or I guess maybe not wrote, but played it. I mean, I guess he wrote the solo, but you know what I mean. Um, because that's to me that's kind of like the big emotional point yeah. of that song is that big solo. Because really lately, especially because guitars are have, I would say of more than anything else in the band have really faded to the background. It's not the point of the band really anymore. Um, and it just, it was nice to hear just a big anthemic guitar solo come out. Mm-hmm. And it was just like, oh, I haven't heard something like this in a killer song for a long time. Mm-hmm. This is nice. All right. Mm-hmm. Well, so. Yeah. Do you all have any more about this song? Because I, 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 you go ahead. Ethan. I personally uh, really like this album. You've listened to the whole but thing. That's, that's probably a, I have because this is my wife's favorite band. Oh, right. That makes sense. Um. Yeah, I think there are some some great, great, great songs on here that are. 
I, I Lucas, I feel I feel what you're saying about maybe the return to the roots, you know. But I feel like the sound the sound has mm-hmm. been stripped down a lot, and and they've added the pop sounds, you know. But I still feel like at the end of it, like there's a ton of like just emotional quality. Like I'm looking at like when, when yeah. the dreams run dry. Specifically. I. I am fully ready for this album to grow on me. Mm-hmm. It just hasn't happened yet. And I'm I'm kind of sure that it will. It just it's just right now to me the problem I'm having is just the songs aren't standing mm-hmm. out. It's just it's kind of like I'll get the song was just like, eh, was okay. Wasn't great. Um, except for obviously the first time I heard this song, I was just like, "Okay, yeah. this mm-hmm. this is the song right here." All right. Well, now we're gonna be uh, we're gonna take a pretty different stylistic turn here. This is kind of when we're you could say that the first three songs that I've picked for this set are the six songs that. Right. you would expect me to pick. They're from bands that you're not surprised that I'm into, that I would be familiar with. The next three are meant to be like my three outside my comfort zone songs. And these are the songs that I'm going to be really interested to get your guys' opinions on as okay. well. So the next song that we have is... People I've Been Sad by Christine this, and the Queens. I had never heard of Christine and the Queens, and I've never heard this song before. Neither have I. I. Is this, this has to be like a foreign song. Yes, okay. she is French. Obviously, you get that from the, mm-hmm. uh, from the French lyrics uh, that come in in mm-hmm. the middle. Um, she is someone that has kind of been under the radar, been mm-hmm. really growing in the indie scene. My sister has been a big fan of her since like 2014. Okay. And, um, has, I remember when she, cause my sister has this annoying trait of always figuring out who the next big thing is like Mm -hmm. while they're still underground like she was really big on the 1975 before they exploded and was just like guys this is the next big band and i would say that they're pretty big Mm -hmm. right now they're one of the big indie bands right now um she's just she's been about she's been that way for a lot of people and i think that this is um an artist that is going to be in the same vein i think that she's a rising star and this was this was kind of like her first big song because uh my wife actually Oof. was the one that showed me this song cuz she my sister sent it to her. It was just like, oh, Callie, you've got to listen to this song. And so she listened to it, fell in love with it, played it all the time whenever 
we were riding in the car and i heard it, i was just like wow mm-hmm. this is actually a really good song and um as i started to get ready for this episode i started to just kind of pull up different lists from the internet uh what are the best songs of the year not where were mm-hmm. the biggest ones what were the best ones and on every list that mm-hmm. i pulled up this song kept coming up and i was like hmm interesting I mean, one of the things so, about this that is somewhat different from, I think, a lot of the music that we feature on the podcast is the fact that it's it's almost overproduced. They're they're getting very close to the line of being overproduced, but they're still within the safe zone. And so, you know, for for times in the song mm-hmm. like the chorus, um. You know, there'll be like one person sings like half a line and then another voice sings another half of the line and whatever. And there's so many parts going on, but they're not all going on at the same time. So it kind of pulls you every which way melodically. But things are very simple and very toned down, you know, rhythmically and harmonically that it still keeps a very chill vibe. Almost like it's just a whole bunch of scatting yeah. happening. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's uh, it's this. It's almost like a, um, in a strange way, it's like a, it's a minimalist mm-hmm. song, where it's there's it's limiting the amount of things that are happening. But at the same time, there's a complexity in the way mm-hmm. that those things are interacting with each other. It's, it's very carefully Which, constructed. Yeah. The way that the different vocal lines are melting in and out of each other, the way that the melodies are written. Um, and it's also written in such a way that, like, uh-huh. it's so a catchy. Lot of, yeah. The mm-hmm. melodies are whatever the strings very come beautiful. in like towards the end. Like that's like that's a nice release. <laughs> a lot of times on the podcast, mm-hmm. especially when it's an artist that I'm not used to, I will have trouble in my mind thinking of what the melody is for you know a particular part of a song when we're talking about it. But this song does not. I'm not having any trouble. And it's, it's and yet it's so weird. It's it shouldn't be memorable, but it yeah. is. Mm-hmm. This isn't like I would say this is not like your mm-hmm. average radio friendly song. Like it's definitely it's got a bit of a highbrow mm-hmm. artsiness to it, but it's a diff. It's way different from yeah. any of the things mm-hmm. that we're used to talk about it. I think that's a good way to talk about it, Lucas, is, is like, it's pop, but it's still artsy and intentional. Like Tame Impala. Uh-huh. <laughs> I'm kidding. No, like, no. <laughs> that's, what okay. all, that's what all the, uh, that's what all the people who try to sound elitist listen to. They listen to Tame Impala. I love yeah. Tame Impala. Tame Impala. 
I have <laughs> not gotten. I haven't them either, yet. but I I should give them a listen at some point just to see what the what the big idea is. Maybe I like it. But anyway, I think that your sister does have a good intuition for something like that because I mean, obviously, because she has experience She's... predicting what the next big thing is, but also especially from streaming services maybe not so much you know listening to music together but people on their own listening to music on their own have this uncanny ability to collectively find what is good music especially what is good pop music you know people choosing their mm -hmm. own music to listen to they'll find the catchy melodies that get them and the songs that bring them re-listen value and the emotional appeal. And I think that this song has that. And I think that if this artist, the rest of her career looks something like this, then, then she will be the next big thing. So. Yeah. Um, so this song um i think that this is maybe like such this is such an appropriate song i think the reason why this was so big is because this is a year mm -hmm. a lot of people have felt sad i think when when you say i've been sad like everyone is just <laughs> like yeah get in line me too um you know it's just like this is this is a time where a song about being sad is really relevant uh her reason she said is this uh song in the entire because this actually mm. was not on an album it was on an ep um the whole ep mm. is about her mom dying so that's the reason she said but obviously you know that's a universal feeling and she's not you know I think when you're, you can be smart about your lyrics about not saying, you know, in your song, I'm sad right. because my mom died because yeah. that can, that can kind of, you know, mm -hmm. limit the universality of it. When you are, when you use that as the inspiration and you just talk about just sadness as a concept, I think that that's when you can really touch on, you know, you can doesn't matter what you're sad about. You can listen to the song, and and connect with it. And I feel like you can hear a lot of the sadness in this. It's a very, it's even though it's it's a beautiful sadness. It's, you know, you can you can feel it. You know the mm -hmm. feeling, as she says. Yeah. Yeah. That is sad. So that that so, was an interesting dip kind yeah. of into something. Even this this I guess this late in the game, so to speak, of the year, it was an interesting dip into another side of music that we haven't really listened to. Certainly that you and I, Lucas, but Ethan, I I can't speak for you entirely, but mm -hmm. a side of music that really I've never heard of her. I I know this vibe, but right? I've never heard right, of her. but 
I I tend to listen to music. Well, if I were to listen to a sad song, it wouldn't sound very much like this. It would sound a lot more like something off of Great Southern Trend Kill, you know. I'm just saying, a lot of those songs are, are pretty sad. Yeah. But it's a very different kind of sadness, where, whereas that kind of sadness is more of a rage, and it fits more of, like, the metal side of things. This sadness is more of a just feeling it all at once and taking the time to just experience the emotion. Yeah, it's just like, dang, I'm actually sad. And, yeah, instead of trying to, like, cover it up by, like, being mad, mad. yeah. By by the loud guitars and intense drums, it's just <sighs> yeah. Which is, I guess it's needed. Like that's needed just personally, but that's also just needed in music as well. To just yeah. let those times be not intense. You tend to appreciate both sides of music, you know, Ooh. in that regard, or all sides of music when you listen to all sides of music you're really because that like contrast too, is what brings the great things out of everything you're really gonna like you too then whenever you start listening to them okay <laughs> well that's why Opeth mm-hmm. is so good right it's just like show you the contrast right there yep all right i'm ready to get into this next song all right this next song ethan you're excited. What is it? It's Seven by Taylor Swift. So this is this is another one where I'm sure mm-hmm. people will probably be like, what? Really? What what are you doing? I even was kind of like nervous to put on just like no. I'm gonna think I've lost no, my mind putting Taylor kind of like Swift on here. The nineteen eighty nine album. And so, and I'm, yeah, I do too. I'm a little bit, I'm a little bit embarrassed about it, but not enough to not admit it, you know? I'm, Guys, I'm learning good music to podcast, continue not to not be embarrassed by, podcast. right, right. And so this mm-hmm. is off, is this off like the folklore album? It kind of just came out, didn't it? Yeah. Yes. Wow. Well, Yes, but no. Mm, well, no. This is the one that no. This really? is the one that came out in like okay. April. She did. She did mm-hmm. two albums. She, she just okay. released a second okay. one. That's that's yeah. who. I, that's actually who I was talking about. Her, <laughs> when her, I said the whole her, two her album thing album is good too. I haven't listened to the second really one good. yet, but my wife has. Hmm. My wife is. <laughs> Taylor Swift's okay. number one fan. And she was obsessed with the first one that came out. And she was the one that told me, you know what? The second one's not that good. So, um, and she's usually one to like immediately mm-hmm. latch on to whatever she releases. She's not someone that mm-hmm. it takes her a little bit to I'm grow. Yeah, right now. Can you guys imagine? She's usually very quick an on album, and that album having. Let's see. There's nine songs in her popular right now, and all of them have more than nine, 19 million streams. 
and the top one has 48. Like, can you imagine, like, releasing an album and just being like, uh, yeah, I got, let's see, that's 56, 79. Yeah, that's, that's easily, I mean, almost 200 million, like 150 million streams. Like, it's just like, I just released an album, 150 million streams. <laughs> That is, and that's not counting one of her songs yeah. that released on this album has 188 million streams, <sighs> and and the second one is Exile wow. has 160, so that's like over three, 300 million streams on that album just for, on two songs. Well, so if you want to make money through music, write pop and. And be Taylor Swift. That's yeah. She has a very long catalog. She has she has a mm-hmm. lot of momentum. Let's. That's true too. Yeah. Yeah. Let's let's talk let's talk about kind of her catalog again. This is going to be brief. This is not the same kind of devotion we would give to her if we were to do an episode on her. Um, but I mean, I think this is one of the most interesting evolutions mm-hmm. of an artist we've probably ever seen. I agree. I mean, it's it's rare to see someone change her first this album was much. 2006, and, and it was country. Yep. It was the countryest of country albums. I mean, country <laughs> with a capital K. And she has a crazy story, though. <laughs> well, I mean, I guess it's not like crazy, like yeah. emotional trauma, but like she's talked in interviews about like she would ask her parents to like drive up to Nashville, like on all of her breaks whenever she was like a kid, and she would literally just like hand out album, like she would like have like little mixtapes as a kid and try to, you know. She would just hand out mixtapes like as a little kid of her music. So she knew. She knew she was going to make it. But she like blew up really quick. I think so. it'll be interesting to learn her. Oh, yeah. That, I'm, that first album, like, I remember being in school and like everyone all of a sudden freaking out mm-hmm. about Taylor Swift. And then she all the did girls, at least. more country music for until red right yeah you could say that red is kind of like the first transitional record but it's still it's still got a lot of the country in it ah, and then 1989 is like the the rebirth of taylor swift official like country is closed 2012 that was like okay, 2012. 2012. Just so I get a timeline. But, so, so Red Swifty. was 22. So I don't know about you, but I don't feel, that was like the first like, oh, Taylor Swift is kind of pop. Yeah, I, I thought that the lyrics for that song were swimsuit. And, yeah. the, and the We Are song. Never Ever Ever Getting Back Together. That's kind of, that's kind of just more of a pure pop song mm-hmm. rather than a country song. And I, mem- and I Knew You Were Trouble has oh. definitely a very radio kind of electronic album, right? feel to it. That was so I didn't okay. No, that's I can't remember what anything is anymore. Shake it off Gosh. was 1989. Bad blood was 1989. 
that I know and welcome to New York mm-hmm. I really like that song um out of the yeah. woods I like that song blank space great songs <laughs> they're just, they're just that, I think that shake album... it off got overplayed like shake it off was the obvious like that was gonna be the hit I I feel like that album is a little plays. stacked. <laughs> that album is a million plays, guys. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Bro. But so yeah, that was kind of the point where she was just like, she's not a country mm-hmm. star anymore. She's a pop star. And then you had that you had that weird album that came out after with Reputation, where she where she tried to go bad girl. Okay. And it, 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 I don't think it worked. <laughs> I mean, yeah. obviously, it was successful. I, she had too much momentum behind her for it to not. It was okay, but I, I, I feel like you know, I feel like it's not going to age very well, especially considering what comes after. It's kind of like this. This was really random. All of a sudden, this 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 turn, and then immediately turning back to colorful, mm-hmm. cutesy on lovers. To me, this album, um, folklore, is the is like the yeah. the maturing album, where it feels. It feels like this is the album where she's. It feels like a more natural evolution rather than the hard yep. turn of reputation, where she's where she's trying to be this you know mm-hmm. this mega bee. And here it's just it just it feels like, and it just mm-hmm. feels like a like an adult instead of like a kind of a wide wide-eyed teenager even i guess you could say in lover it's it's a more mature yeah. version of 1980 but it's still kind of got that glittery optimism to it um and this just feels like this is kind of like her evolving into yep. just like a pure songwriter where she's starting to feel more like a Paul Simon or a Paul McCartney or just someone that's just that's not maybe as as genre based. It's just like she's just gonna be a songwriter. Yep. Now of course who knows what she's gonna do. I mean, being a pop star that's gonna you know, obviously have all of its all of its things that all the things that go with it. Of you know the image mm-hmm. and the and the over the top, but I really like the how this mm-hmm. how just very serene and very um, just pure. This whole I feel like she's doing is. a good job transitioning from like the shake it off pop star to like like a more mature like what you're saying like a more mature artist. Like she's not having to like do any of the theatrics. She's just writing mm-hmm. songs, and I think that's gonna age really well. Like even now that like even that kind of like nineteen eighty nine album, like that like kind of pop star vibe is even going away. Um, 
yeah like i think she's uh-huh. taking a good turn like she's she's creating her own sound like what we were talking about with other great artists i feel like she's starting to craft like the taylor swift like cracking her own code yeah and then you know you throw it on top of that it's just like you know yeah. she she writes all of her own stuff and you have and to applaud her. For it's that. a ton of content. Like I think the and... song had like what, like sixteen songs on it. And then the the one that she just released is a double. Mm-hmm. And just about all of them are. Oh wow. Or sorry, no, it's not. So, I was looking at, at the um, wrong thing. Yeah, it's no, it's still fifteen songs though. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, so let's talk about this song in particular, Seven. This was the song that I I liked the most off of the album. It's, there's, there's just... Um, the melodies are just really just... Yeah. They're really good. pure. It just It just feels like it's just... It's just honest and true and... And all, the way she's also singing it is just, it's so I, I think beautiful. you put it right when you said that she's just a songwriter here. It doesn't sound like she's trying to write a country song or a pop song or, you know, like a rock song. It just sounds like she's trying to write a song that fits her style. And that that is kind of like a mm-hmm. maturity aspect that you don't get with an artist until they're quite a few albums in and so it just feels like taylor swift more than it feels like any genre Uh uh-huh yeah like this is a song that Mm -hmm. i feel like could have been written at any time it doesn't this is a song that you're not going to hear and go oh "Oh, this is a 2020 song like i feel like I feel like this same song could have been could have come out point. in the seventies. Yeah. Um, and you know, it's I love just the the sparseness of all the instruments. There's not a lot going on. Um, and then um, I really like the lyrics yeah, what, on this song. That? I believe that this is pretty much her talking about an an idealized first love. I think the seven is age seven, about when you are first developing those mm-hmm. those first crushes that you have, and about how there's literally like no worries. You don't think about all of the problems that you have in relationships when you're older. It's all fantasy about these magnificent lives that you're going to leave. Um, like, you know, stuff like, you know, we'll move to India forever. Like, just kind of like, you know, we'll go on these big adventures. And it's just, it's this, it's the boundless imagination of a child and and mm-hmm. how pure that kind of love is. And 
about the way that she's she's even admitting that I don't uh, I can't even remember what you look like, but I still mm-hmm. feel you in my heart. Like, you know, like she's probably saying like, because I haven't seen you since you were a little kid, I wouldn't probably even recognize you today. Mm-hmm. And but I, I remember we how I you. felt back then. Mm-hmm. And just kind of seeing love for the first time through the mind of a child. And I think that that's a really cool idea. And I, and I, it's kind of like when she's saying, please picture me, it's just kind of like, you know, like think back to Mm -hmm. a time when we were kids about what love would have been like. Hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I knew there was some lyrical sense to it, but I, the way she sang it, it didn't lend my ears to the lyrics, but instead to the melody. So I didn't even pick up on that at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's 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 what I'm pretty sure that the song is trying to get across. Okay. That's what all the context clues are telling me. That makes sense. I mean, that's it's an interesting concept. Right? And the fact that, like, I mean, obviously she's writing this herself, which is commendable for such a a big artist mm-hmm. to write all of their stuff and still be coming up with really good stuff like this. Yeah, because you... And really good conceptual stuff as well. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I love the mm-hmm. strings that come in at the end. Um, it's just a very, it's it's a very tranquil song. Like I listen to it, and I just kind of mm-hmm. like yeah, feel very like, peaceful. Almost like we don't get a lot of songs like that on like this podcast. Running next to you, and like the deer aren't skittish because it's Colorado. Mm-hmm. You can imagine this is this yeah. is growing up in the country. In the hills, in the, you know, in the in the trees, and, um, you know, it's just like where where there's just mm-hmm. the world. I think this is a you. cool take on country again. Folk it's because un- there's a lot of like orchestralness about it, like a score, you know. Yeah, like it's not just like folk. It's it's evolving into something that's. I know before I was I said that Dream Theater had maybe turned a little bit too dramatic or too um you know like epic in a weird kind of way but yeah. I think folk music evolving in that direction to be more to like learn more things other than like a ukulele is is benefiting it in in big ways like there's more production in folk, in folk music now to help complement its folkiness instead of taking it away. And I'm I'm appreciating it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That is true. And it's also notable that it's not just a bunch of buzzwords. 
right? That's something that I hate about country radio. Yeah. Is that every song is about the same thing, right? And yep. and it's not even so much that it's about the same thing. They just all have different spins on it. I mean, they are literally all about the same thing, you know. And Com- compare this with um, what I think is the worst country song of the year, Luke Bryant's Ooh. One Margarita. Well, if it's the song? worst country song, I don't think I want to. The chorus of that's the wor- the chorus is one margarita, two margarita, three margarita, blue margarita. What do you think comes next? Mm. Oh boy! Shot. <laughs> it's just like this is the. This is the the pinnacle of just idiotic we talked about that before, songwriting, though, like sequential songwriting in country music. One margarita, two margarita, three margarita shot. I mean, it's it, a poetry. It's poetry. If you use it in a way, and you use it once in the song, and it's like some weird bridge or something and it's part of a a grandiose like storyline i could definitely see that being used but if that's but if that's the chorus that's the chorus (laughs) that's the that's the hook of the song right there oh lord that's a that's almost as bad as another country song i'd heard before that was the hook was sunrise sunburn sunset repeat all i have to say is nope (laughs) that's that's i think that's one of my all-time favorite bad chorus lines (sighs) oh boy but right. yeah, just just to, just a contrast, right? And and so this kind of it was very refreshing. This kind of country folkish music being lyrically not terrible. So yeah, are we ready for our final song? I think we're ready for the final song, and. Lucas, the premise of this was to pick the most streamed song and you picked it and then the most streamed song changed. I know. But I... I'm so I, mad. That was the whole I'm point. I'm not mad either. But actually. I'm not it's mad still at one the songs, songs on here. So I really, really liked this song, actually. This is Blinding Lights by The Weeknd. Mm. It's so catchy. It's so dang catchy. Now, I know what some of you guys are going to say. I know what you, some of you guys, listeners, are going to say. But this song came out in 2019. Yes, I know that. The album it was on came out in 2020. At the time that I researched this, it's, it's, it was the fake. biggest song of 2020. That's why I put it up. It's... I'm I'm counting it as a 2020 song, even though yes, like it came it out in 2019, 2020. like in November. 
Yeah, I would say that it didn't really reach mass cultural significance till 2020. And, and I it was that a TikTok too. Good enough. That's how I remembered it. It was. It was as in. Well, it oh, was okay. one of the TikTok. Now, what? Yeah, yeah it wasn't made on TikTok. It went viral. Well, yeah, and I only I had only seen it like twice, but I remembered the melody because I was like, "Ooh, that's nice and synthy. It sounds like the '80s," and this whole song kind of sounds. It sounds like, in a weird way, and I don't listen to a lot of Tears for Fears, but it sounds like Tears for Fears. I would think. But in a good way. Yeah. Take that. Take that how you will. I would. I would. Or, or like a, or like Depeche Mode or something I, I like, like that. It. Because the the um, synths are synthesized in a way to be very eighties. It's not like oh, let's pick a synth sound and use it for the whole song. Mm-hmm. But it felt like there was more of a there's more of a character to it. It this it actually felt like somebody. They have those Stranger Things since right, on right. It, it felt like somebody had actually took taken the time to engineer that sound for this song, and yeah. I I appreciate stuff like that. Even if they had not done that, it still had that feeling. Yeah, the big growly sense. Right towards towards yeah. the beginning. Do yeah. you saying this song is well the the bass lines are the boo do 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 like those are I feel like they're using analog synths honestly I bet that's how they got it yeah, Probably. That, yeah. it does it does feel like that that would make a lot of sense because it would make a lot of sense <laughs> Because it would make that, a lot of sense. That's the feeling that I get from it is that it feels like somebody's actually turning knobs to make the sound that it is. This song is so catchy. Oh yeah. It's God, this is one of the catchiest songs I've heard in a long time. It makes sense long that it was time. streamed at the time. Um this this is my my second place song on the set as well as i would this is the song that just really <laughs> i want to hear the story of you the most and like hearing of like just really listening to the song because this feels so out of genre this mm-hmm. feels more out of genre for you than the taylor swift stuff because this is like this is like pop like a million percent pop Yeah, but it just no. yeah, reminds me so much of 80s pop. Well, that was definitely the inspiration. And I I love 80s. I love 80s pop. And I just to me, yeah, I I turn it off. It's just like, okay, let me see what the biggest song. Okay, let's well, the weekend. I've heard of him. I he's got a good voice. Okay, let me let me put this on. Listen to it. Synth comes on. Oh, that's catchy. He starts singing. Oh, that's I, that's really good. The chorus comes on. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. that's a it's great, great chorus. <laughs> and it's just you know it's it it's not it's not dumb. 
like I feel like some pop songs can be where it's just like it kind of leans in yeah. on being like dumb <laughs> where the lyrics are meant to be just like um, uninspired just really yeah or like it's something where it's it's trying to be so mm-hmm. stupid that it thinks it's clever like I think of something like like Justin oh, Bieber's song. No, Yummy. I don't want to ever think about that, that ever song? again. Oh, that's something you, to where I'm just, just like I don't understand this. That. I don't. Oh, man, well, for me, <laughs> I did not. Oh my the goodness! <laughs> to end the recording, we gotta start the segment over. <laughs> <laughs> That's something to where, yeah, like, that kind really of pop teeth. songwriting, I'm just yeah. like, yeah. I, what, what is this? And it's, it's almost like it's, it's trying to be stupid. Right. If but I don't know why. <laughs> like, like, you, like, it thinks it's being so stupid yeah, it's that it's, kitschy. like, cute. Or. It's purposefully kitschy. I don't, yeah. I don't. That's that's the kind of thing to where when I hear in in other modern pop songs, I'm just like this turns me off from it. I just I don't hear any of that in this. I feel like that this was oh yeah this was very seriously made. Like like you listen, none of the, the lyrics are um, corny. It's it's very straightforward it's very direct i mean it just taps right into the vein and just gives it to you this this song is this is like the (laughs) song equivalent of drugs and i and i but i and Mm -hmm. i think that's exactly what they were trying to go for yeah it, that's the biggest complaint I have. The song is I want that song to keep going. Yeah. I remember, it, and I was just like, like no. again, <laughs> I'm used More to songs that good being like eight minutes. Um, and again, I, I believe that they well, I believe they did it on purpose right. to make you go. Oh, I want yeah, to hear it again. Do like half of More the cor- chorus. More chorus with with the synth line and his voice singing the same thing. Which they didn't do anywhere else in the song. Like I totally thought that they were gonna like, I totally thought that they were gonna like, bump it right back up. This is pop. And do like a big chorus. We don't do songs over three minutes and thirty. And then they just don't. Yeah, really. Yeah. Um. Then I went ahead and listened to the whole album. Yeah, because did. I was curious to know, and who is a good album? I was like, man, what a what an Are you surprised experience that where they put it is. in the album. Yeah, I was surprised it came so late. But man, it really—I yeah. feel like that it's—it's it's placed really well because it is—it's a pretty dark album up to that point. I'm listening to it. I'm just like, good lord. 
like yeah it's all these synths and but it's just so you like I, I some heavy you stuff like album, but you don't like rap because and like, then Alone yeah again is like i mean it's rap except for the except for it's singing it's just singing and that's what that's why i'm saying i i feel myself move i feel Do you see what i'm saying though with like direction because like alone again is a good example because it's heavy it's heavy beat like do you see what i'm saying about like rock mm-hmm. and metal and like the anger and angst of rock and metal it's just it's just perceived a different way and it's through like rap beats like there's still like an there's an anger that's behind rap that mm-hmm. is a release for people in the same way that like metal is a release like a drop in metal is the same as a drop in rap hmm. yeah yeah, it's uh that that album I really really enjoyed wow. it. I listened to it a couple times. And um it's just it definitely feels like a concept record of just like like yeah. Like fear, loathing and hatred <laughs> of oneself. And someone that it feel like it feels like someone that has gotten everything they've ever wanted <laughs> and is now trying to get away from it, dude. Yeah, like like Escape that. from L.A. was like just like oh my gosh, man. Y'all are wanting this to be so me want to listen heartbreaking. To this okay, it is a shock to listen to at first because I remember the first I was just like. Um, not this is not this like anything I've ever listened to. to my ears are and my mind is kind uh-huh. of adjusting. Okay. But as the album went on, I started to click more and more with it. And then the second time I went back, it was like, okay, I'm locked in. I can kind of go from and then there's just so many great hooks in it. Like, um, uh, hard to love was had some really incredible hooks in it and um and in your eyes what is what did you was think really about strong as well oh yeah. yeah that was yeah that was that's the ending it's so song, freaking right? like like yeah. you just get to the end and you're just like it's the weirdest release ever because it's like not a victory and it just freaking ends it's like in the middle Uh of the chorus and it just kind of ends and then you're Mm. done with the album yeah I will now say (laughs) that I believe that The Weeknd is an artist that's fair I mean I just I didn't know I'd never listened to him I had the same supposition. Like he's just—he's just not—he's just not, not just a singer or a performer. Like I can tell that his hand is all over that—the construction of the, everything about that yeah. album. That was a vision that was executed. Yeah, and mm-hmm. a, a specific artistic. Yeah, he was trying to get something across. Was being and he did. made. 
it it's literally so sad like the album like the whole tone of the album almost like blinding lights is one of the few parts of the album where it's like wow that's happy but it's like clouded and but yeah but even well, still putting it like even still there's like a cloud over it and so it like comes in and you and it's like because mm-hmm. the the lyrics are like "Ooh, i'm blinded by the lights and i can't what is it i can't sleep until i get your touch but it's like so it's mm-hmm. like oh i'm like happy and stuff and blinded by the lights like i'm famous now but like i but life is still like not good like there's still basic things that i don't have yeah mm-hmm. this is just a temporary yeah it's really good solution yeah so this this was this was the thing again for me terminal velocity there's so much subtext there that just really mm-hmm. hits home for me because I'm such a super fan but this did come close and this one surprised me the we'll most to do a weekend of, of uh, how much I really love a regular it. well I'm, yeah def- <laughs> definitely I will now after he hearing this, was like, okay, I'm on the he, weekend. He kind of, I remember Starboy was the first thing that I heard from him. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I remember that hearing Can't Feel My so Face. That was the first time I'd heard of him. I actually... It, it reminded me of... I always that, found that. I was just like, that's a pretty that catchy song. Like the, not, like the funk one. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I love that record. I do not. Nope. So, we had a lot to do you guys say, have anything apparently. else to say? All right. Yes, we did. So, um, we're going to take another break. When we come back, we're just going to give some final thoughts about um, some of the songs that we talked about final thoughts we're going to kind of summarize some of the artists maybe that you know after you know talking about the songs hearing about them kind of where do we stand now and um as well as just kind of just wrap things up for you guys um give 2020 a nice little uh uh little yeah exactly so make sure you stay tuned we're going to be back in just a moment Hey, what's up, everybody? It's Ethan. Welcome back to the Good Music Podcast. We are on our final segment, final thoughts. But first, uh, let's talk about the songs we just talked about. Uh, Also, by the way, if you are not on the Spotify playlist and you just listened to that last 100-minute segment that we just did about the songs (laughs) and you're not listening to them, you are missing out. But Uh anyways... So this last segment, the 2020 wrap, we listened to Terminal Velocity by John Petrucci, Shot in the Dark by ACDC, Caution by The Killers, People I've Been Sad by Christine and the Queens, Seven by Taylor Swift, and finally Blinding Lights by The Weeknd. And now it's time for final thoughts. So, Grant, 
this is the the 2020 wrap and so i guess final thoughts about the the music that was released in 2020 that we talked about but also i guess final thoughts about the year well starting with the music i didn't really pick up on a lot of the music that was released this year i tend to not do that unless it's a really groundbreaking album or lucas happens to show it to me like empath or prequel um and so i'm not really big into the music of right now even if it's an artist that i like Mm -hmm. um so even just going through and mentioning the six songs that we talked about was big news for me honestly um and and so and i also listened to notably i listened to a 2020 record all the way through that was kiko luriero's solo record um open source of course which i mean okay like do you blame me right he's amazing but it's just that's the that's the that's the easiest answer i could have gotten if you were to ask me that's that's the right most obvious choice exactly because that's the kind of that's just the kind of megadeth fan i am and so i listened to that and i really enjoyed that album but i never really listened to anything else that came out this year so i don't really have a lot to talk about other than what we just talked about um with the the six songs here but as far as like the year in review for the podcast before the podcast i didn't really listen to a lot of music i didn't have a large uh you know catalog but i thought i did i can't even remember what i even listened to it had to have been oh my goodness i don't even know it was like i think i had just discovered cowboys from hell and I think I was just listening to different songs from that and like Dire of a Madman. Oh, I was listening to a whole bunch of Metallica and Megadeth, that's for sure. But I think even through this podcast, yes, I've discovered a lot of new artists and that's important too. I mean, I discovered again, kind of, Rage Against the Machine, listened to all of their albums. I discovered Opeth and listened all the way through Still Life. I discovered Death and listened to all their albums. I rediscovered Ghost and listened to all of their albums. And I've gained a new appreciation for artists that I had already been listening to, like Dream Theater and Rush, even, and Megadeth, and, you know, guys like that. And so... And even Pantera, which was a more recent episode. You know, I had I had been listening through all the way through Cowboys from Hell and Vulgar Display of Power and stuff like that. But just talking about them again and talking about like what's the vibe of every album and what's the point of every album and what's what are they trying to get across with this song in particular and where they are in their career, it made me want to listen to their music more and I it, I listened to their whole catalog, which I would not have done, you know, otherwise. Having already been such a big fan of their first two, you know, significant albums. So I think that's also willing to be noted. I think that across the board, 
even the U2 episode, I think that across the board, all of the episodes had a positive impact on me in regards to that artist. And so I really, really enjoy being on the podcast. I really, really enjoy talking about every artist. Um, and I definitely am looking forward to what 2021 brings to my ears. I don't know if that's what you were looking for in a final thought, but that's what I gave. Yeah, yeah that's, that's awesome. Okay. I think for me, I, my wife gets annoyed at me because I, I am not, I would not consider myself a super fan of very many bands. There, there are not a lot of bands that I would say that I have like their catalog, like completely memorized. And I think that's, I'm more of like, like on Spotify and Apple music, like I will literally just, it'll just be like, what's new. And I'll just be like shuffle and I'll just listen through like whatever is on the playlist that's that's trending just to listen to it and that's usually more how i roll in in my music and then whenever i find something that interests me i'll click on the artist and i'll listen to them so i'm a lot more i guess um kind of wild west shooter you know with music and so like i knew that taylor swift had released an album and I had listened to, um, I don't know, I'm going to remember the name of the song, but I hadn't listened to Seven, um, which was, I mean, and Seven is really good, so I need to go back and give that a look. Obviously, I knew about the Weekends album. I knew about the Killers album. Um, I didn't know about ACDC, John Petrucci, and I had never heard of uh, Christine and the Queens. And so those were really... Um, refreshing to listen to because i think for me because just because i listen to usually what's the most popular songs right now just to try to get a gauge i'll miss stuff like shot in the dark and terminal velocity just because that's it's it's a new release but it's not pop and and so it's not on the radar for me but i'm i would say overall i think that even though there are a lot of songs that are in the top 50 that um, I guess I can't say that they don't deserve to be there because they're there, but there's some low quality stuff that's, that's hitting in the top 50 and not low quality, meaning like the sound quality, but low quality, like kitschy songwriting. It, it went viral because of like one part of it, you know? Like songs where it's like, oh yeah, you you guys wrote this to go viral, and and that was it. So there's some stuff like that that's sitting up there right now, but there's always kind of crappy songs sitting in the top fifty. But I would say overall, I'm excited. It seems like like the more music goes along, the more access people have to put their own music out there. And so you just get more creativity and more voices like the Christina and the queen or the Christine and the Queens lady. Like I'm, I'm excited that I could discover her, you know, especially through this podcast. And even that being said with the podcast, I'm excited for 2021 just because I, 
I'm excited that um, Lucas and Grant get to kind of experience what I have experienced where it's like I've been and I was joking about this after the last segment about like Pantera and Ghost and um, My Chemical Romance and, and the Rush Volume 2 and the you know Van Halen episode like Iron Maiden like a bunch of bands where I would like like I know of them but I'm not gonna like listen to them you know <laughs> but like mm-hmm. me getting almost like the trust of being like no listen to this like it's good and me be like okay I'm gonna listen to it and it was good and I'm excited that the podcast is starting to um I think the podcast's roots will always be in classic rock and and metal and like that i think its roots will always be there because that's just who lucas is as a person (laughs) um Mm -hmm. but i'm also excited that like even though that root is the deepest i'm i'm excited that as the podcast grows that the roots of the podcast are there's more roots that are starting to grow out and one of those is like we kind of keep coming back and saying it's like like all genres have good music somewhere in them like good music isn't just isolated to one artist or one genre or one time period or one you know anything which is why the history of music podcast is gonna be is so fun because it's like there was good music in the in the in the bc era Mm. you know there was good music in the (laughs) in you know 1000 ad somewhere um and so i i guess i'm just excited for the evolution and because i think this is um not just informational but i think it's it's going to be cool for people to like almost like the cultural and like genre stigma walls are will will probably be coming down for people like with the my chemical romance episode it's just like oh dang that's actually good (laughs) you know and like oh pantera is actually good oh man taylor swift's actually really good oh man the killers are actually really good too oh the weekend is good yeah they're good you know (laughs) it's like so that's what i'm excited for and i think 2021 will just I don't know if it's going to get like better in the world or anything, but I think the the podcast is something that we can control, and I know that that's going to be good. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's a that's a lot, but a lot of good stuff. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Well. This year has meant a lot to me. Um, this literally started as just a tiny little passion project where I had no idea if it would ever turn into anything. Those of you that have heard me tell this story before, it's, you know, you could probably recite it by now, but this was, I never thought that we would ever be at this level this amount of um, popularity and influence and 
all this stuff going on. I didn't think I would still be doing it at this point. I never thought that we would be, you know, at 85,000 total plays or however many um, we have. It's just, it's just insane. And I'm so grateful. And I feel like just a, a different musical idea is really forming in me where I'm always going to love the things that I love. Like I'm not someone that where I would say that I have phases like just say, Oh, this is my pop phase. This is where, where I listen to it a lot for a while. And then I never return back to it. I've never had an artist that I've listened to that I'm like embarrassed of that. I listen to now. Well, I just like, Oh, I can't believe when I was younger, I listened to that. That's never happened. So I'm the things that I love. I know I'm always going to love, but I'm finding that it's, it's like you said, I'm, I'm breaking down in my mind things of just classifying by genres. I think it hurts that I've heard a lot of bad of certain genres Mm -hmm. that have kind of altered my view of them. But with other genres, um, I just... I feel like I need to really take the time to investigate for the first time and just start to go, okay, is there, is there really any good in here? And if so, I think it's worth finding because now I'm finding I have this, this hunger to just find as much good music as I can. And that's something that I don't even feel like I had at at this time last year this is something that has really developed over um over this year probably even more so over the second half of this year where i'm just like you know what i think that to limit myself to the genres i have yes they're very deep And there's always new stuff coming out. But eventually, you know, I'm going to want to reach out to other things. And um, I just think that this has just been a very enlightening uh, year of just kind of starting to really solidify what my view of music is. And does is good music objective? Mm. And I'm really starting to believe that yes, it is. Mm. And um, I'm really excited for next year. I think we're going to go in some wild, crazy directions. Um, we are going to kind of start things off next year with kind of some with a good Mm -hmm. rock and roll January 
uh, it's just it's just the way that it kind of ended up being. Originally, wasn't going to be that way, but we I've I've altered some plans in a, around because originally we were going to have our first jazz episode next month, but um, I postponed it in order to to get in a Bruce Springsteen episode. Yeah, I'm excited about the Bruce Springsteen and, episode though. Yeah. Um but we've we've got all kinds of uh big stuff coming up next year. Some some new genres. I'm I'm kind of constantly just thinking of just like, okay, what have I not done yet? <laughs> mm-hmm. And let's go there. What's a what's a genre that I haven't touched on? Mm-hmm. So it's just be prepared, all y'all, for a great 2021. Thank you guys so much for staying along with us. Thank you for a great year this year. Um, this is this has been a hallmark year for us. I think that this is the year that we're gonna look back and go. This is this is when the Good Music Podcast really started. Mm-hmm. This is when kind of everything really uh, got its roots set all the all the things that we do we we decided after after 2020 and so i can't wait to see how it grows um if you guys want to become a patron there is a link in the description of the episode and you can get access to early and exclusive content. We're actually going to start, um, after we finish recording here for our patrons, a really fun final segment for 2020 where we're going to uh, do a bad song tournament of all of our worst songs that we've talked about these last couple months. I forgot about that. Yes, which, I'm looking forward to that. Um, man, which... When we do this next year, we're gonna have an entire year's worth of bad songs <laughs> instead of just uh, a, a couple months. Song we, tournament because we didn't start this till November, and oh yeah, that'll be fun. Well, I'll, I'll probably make like an official bracket or something and have like you guys actually physically here yeah, with they could me probably and vote us. Social media next year. Oh, that'd be so fun. Um, so, uh, if you want access to that conversation, which I think is going to be really fun and funny and, um, just overall a good time, make sure that you sign up to be a patron as well as another link in the description of the episode is to the Spotify playlist. Please go listen to these songs. Even if you're just like, Oh God, I would never listen to a Taylor Swift song or, I would never listen to something made by a member of Dream Theater. Um, please, and open your mind, open your horizon. That's You've heard all of our testimonies about every time that we step out of our comfort zone, we haven't regretted it. So um, we, we would love it if you guys did the same. And um, make sure to follow us on social media, on Instagram and Facebook. And let us know what artists you would like 
to appear in 2021. And with that, hope you guys have had a Merry Christmas and that you guys have a Happy New Year. And we'll see you guys in 2021. I'm Lucas. I'm Grant. I'm Ethan. Keep on listening to good music. Good music.